This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd. here with me. I'm Rich Lotto. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. I uh, got, got a lot to talk about today, and we got a special music segment. We're going to begin uh, this thing with because, you know, at the heart of like One Nation Radio is music in a way. Yeah, uh, we basically first made each other talking about rap. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, man, it is uh, 25 years. It will be March 9th, 2022 since uh, Notorious B.I.G., Biggie. Uh, passed away, was murdered, killed in Los Angeles uh, at the Peterson Automotive Museum. You know, you guys all know the story. No one ever found who did this thing. There's lots of theories. There's lots of, uh, and of course, One Nation Radio is the place for theories, but um, I don't really have one on this, which is kind of a uh, shock. (laughs) But uh, yeah, he he was taken from us at uh, 24 years old in at that time, he had he was getting ready to release his second album, Double Disc, Life After Death. Um, he would later drop a posthumous album in 99, Born Again, and then Biggie Duets in 2005. We can get into that, I guess, too. Uh, but, yeah, like, Biggie was, uh, you know, I remember. Well, first, James, like, what are your thoughts on, on Biggie uh, in general? It's weird 25 years later, but... Um... At the time, as a kid, I thought that he was one of the best rappers I ever heard, maybe even the best one. And then, um, and then as I uh, went through his catalog, that you know, when I was a teenager, I was even more convinced of the same. Like the voice, uh, the the ability to um, rap elegantly while also like making it seem easy. I think that's one of the underrated things about like rap. When you come talk about like when people talk about like great rappers, like it's not enough just to be a great rapper and that you sound and that you're trying really, really hard to, to be great, but like the ability to make it look easy. And, um, you know, the, the, the folk tales about people like him or Jay Z or Wayne or whoever else that like write the stuff in their they write their own verses in their head. Like it just adds some mythology of, 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 of what he was. Um, I think that he's underrated as far as his uh, his versatility as a rapper. Um, I, and I think that he's somebody that 
I'm sure of if he was able to have a longer career would have been on top for a long, long time. Um, as far as a top rapper and star and personality, I, um, there have been plenty of other rappers that I think that over time would have burned out or not have been able to, um, hold up to the, to the pedal they were put on, um, mm-hmm. as far as their music and probably would have transitioned to other projects. Like I think, I think quite frankly, Tupac would have done better as a, as a rap, as a actor at, at, you know, in the later, uh, nineties and, uh, two thousands than he would have as a rapper. Um, I don't think he, I, he's a great rapper, but like, he's not somebody I, I like, I, I think of him and I think like, yeah, like this was going to be something that he could do for a long time. Um, and there's not so shame in that, but I just think like you, you talk about like, uh, I remember somebody, I can't remember who it was, but they were like the, like Vince Carter was like built to, like it was the built as a perfect dumper, right? Six seven, long wingspan, big hands, um, and you know, gigantic vert and all the creativity in the world. Like if you're if you're going to build a rapper from scratch, <laughs> Biggie Biggie is one of the best combinations of all that of all that stuff, especially especially when you include like the time for the era. And I, I thought that he was um I thought that he was super special. So yeah, like I think that um you know like at that time where like a double disc uh album from a rapper like I think he was the second person to do it, first person to do it was uh Tupac for All Eyes on Me, like it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive to, to say like, yeah, I'm gonna put like a hundred and close to hundred and sixty minutes worth of music and like it's gonna sound like that. Um so yeah. Uh and like it's really weird that like he already had the album named Life After Death and then, you know, Weeks late, and in weeks before, he's he, he was gone. Yeah, um, I grew up with Big, kind of being you know a, a East Coast kid, and he was like the one, like he was the dude, he was Neo, he was the Matrix <laughs> long before we knew what that was. Um, just the thing about Biggie, I always remember is like I grew up raised by women that all loved Biggie. My older sister loved Biggie. My mom loved Biggie. Um, and my grandma like Biggie, like <laughs> like he was just smooth in a way where, um, you know, the like he had all the game in the world. It didn't matter what he looked like. So he, he could, you know, rap on whatever he was. I think he was one of the early people from the East Coast that was picking the the any like that was picking superior production um, that. I feel like his, you know, and and I hate to always bring up Tupac in comparison to Biggie, but that's the kind of what it was. But I enjoyed the beats that um, Biggie rapped over uh, a lot more. I grew to appreciate the stuff Pac was rapping over as I got older. Um, but I thought Biggie was sensational as a storyteller, as a lyricist, just like, you know, grab a mic and say something hot, um, you know, sending shots at people, just metaphors like. Uh, wherever I go, my crew is true to swarm. Got stripes in New York, like Yankee uniforms, like that that type of stuff. Like uh, the playing with the language, he was just like someone that I learned so much from. Uh, I would credit a great deal of my growth of, as a rapper of listening to Life After Death at my grandma's kitchen table in like 2002 or whatever. So uh, I remember my older brother, Taryn, I burned the CDs from from him. 
And, uh, you know, I remember going into ninth grade, I was just had ready to die and repeat just like, and this is 2004, like, and I'm just like studying at the altar of a big, um, and it's like, you know, obviously the, his death is like, you know, it was tragic. You'd never seen like a, like he was an icon of like New York and the East coast. And, you know, he's the King of New York on the front of the source, uh, source lyricist of the year at source awards, um, and I, you know, every so often I go back and watch his videos and I see all the love that uh, he used to get from everybody. I, I watched a one more chance video a couple of years ago and it was like just everyone in the game just just bowed down for big. Like it was like they knew like it was while he was here that he was he was the man like that. And um, I, I was really into ready to die just from um, the the hits, you know, as a, as a kid. And then like, you know continually riding buses and going to basketball practice and walking there and having a Walkman and this man, um, you know, that's when you're listening to more the album where I'm really like vibing with uh, everyday, uh, or excuse me, um, I believe it's everyday struggle, like number 11 on um, the uh, ready to die album. Uh, I'm really getting into machine gun funk, you know, I'm getting into, uh, you know, the original one more chance him and method man what like the only feature they put on the album like it was so ahead of its time as far as like uh i won't actually i won't say that it wasn't ahead of its time right because it's at the end of the day it was like traditional east coast boom bap and it was of that time it was and it was but it was the peak of that shit and um you know looking at the the landscape around then like nas was out you know putting out illmatic at the time uh, Wu-Tang was out and then you know they was trying to take it back from the West Coast and then Big came and it was like yo um, but Life After Death very influential just like all the different styles you know doing songs with Bone Thugs getting in their style and out rapping them like that was that's I, you know doing that in 1997 is not no easy feat like literally maybe like a year or two later jay jay z struggled with like <laughs> getting on the high instrumental um which you know i wasn't you know too well received um in, in some circles but i think biggie uh to your point james like he could do it all like he you know you put him on going back to cali you put him on like i got a story to tell you put him on more money more problems like he was he was almost he was unafraid with his sample choices where stuff could and i you know you got to credit a lot of this to to diddy at the time because Mm. they were they were fighting against like you know like i was saying like the boom the east East coast traditional boom bap like they weren't afraid to long form sample and and replay the stuff just because they knew what it would make people feel like. And I think big was one of those people that, you know, the, the shiny suit flossy stuff, but at the same time, gutter, a, a real MC's MC, a, a absolute superstar, like listen to victory to this day. Like, it's just like, like, listen to this guy. Like it is, I feel like if you're somebody that does music and you can't learn from big, I don't know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> like you missed, you missed the message. You missed the greatness. You, 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 you didn't, I don't know what you're doing. Let's just say that. Right. And like, I think the thing also that he doesn't get enough credit for, like he gets it when he, as far as his personality, but like you play player hater. Like he, he's, he's fucking goofy as hell too. 
Like he's Hilarious. very like he's also very lighthearted as well. Um, it wasn't just the, the you know the the allusions to mafioso uh, movement uh, as well, but um, like yeah, he was just, he was just. He was just great, man. He was just great. Like, um, thinking about like um right now, like Ten Crack Commandments or thinking about um Um Kicking the Door. Yeah, kicking the door even four four. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck can't think of the hook? Yeah. Like, he's just an incredible rap rapper. Like, there were times where just like con- like in in context. He was a great rapper. Uh, as a ramble rapper, he might be the best ramble rapper I've ever heard. <laughs> he, like, <laughs> um, like he was just amazing. And like the thing that made him so versatile, I think people aren't uh, or people don't, I think, give him credit for, especially for that time. Was just like, in a way, he's kind of like the first luxury rapper. Oh, yeah. Like, and obviously, you know, you had Big Daddy Kane talking about, like, you know, really fly shit uh, to stun on niggas in this hood. But I'm someone's like, as far as, like, to now Marble Floors and Mansions, yeah, I mean, I it's really juicy. Video. Like, juicy. Like, you can go back to Juicy <laughs> yeah, and point too. that out. But, like, yeah. but then once you go to, like, once he's in the fucking uh, hypnotized video, and he's on the, and he's like, he's, yes. Right, and he's on, and he's on the boat, and him and Diddy are going fucking backward or going in reverse while motherfuckers are chasing them, uh, in in the bins. It's it, like what? <laughs> yeah, like, you brought a you brought a juicy. Like I, you know, some people would say, you know, an argument for uh, the greatest rap song of all time that would be yeah. like nothing but a G thing, right? But like mm-hmm. that'd be me. Juicy, That's my pick, yeah. Like like juicy is like. Way the East Coast answer to that, I feel like. And I remember knowing the words of Juicy. I remember when I was watching Making the Band and Diddy had to like was making them memorize uh the words of Juicy and all that. I wouldn't have had to be made. It, it was like, <laughs> oh, where are we we rapping Juicy today? Okay. But um yeah, man, he uh you know, from his songs about women as far as like uh like the one more chance remix stuff was was great, just you know, spitting the game. You know, you look at Lil' Kim and like him basically using her as a avatar, essentially, you know, for it for you know, if Big was a woman, this is what it would sound like. And nudge nudge wink wink. So that stuff was, you know, for him like he was making executive executive producer moves like you know he was you know running in circles with jay-z essentially like you know propping him up saying yo standing next to him like hey you know and there's always kind of like this silent competition between them uh you know there was smoke with him and Nas a little bit and they sent subs at each other back and forth um uh, that's you know kicking the door uh, a lot of that is about Nas. um yeah, there's uh stuff where you know the Wu Tang and wasn't wasn't necessarily rocking with Big, and they were sending shots, you know, on only both Cuban links at him. Uh, that, the entire mid nineties rap was just people throwing darts, and you just got to figure out where they going. Um, <laughs> and you know, he put put Diddy on, you know, and he he was like, all right, Diddy's gonna Diddy wants to rap. We're gonna make him one of the biggest stars in the world too, and I'm gonna produce him now. And it was like this stuff is all happening within five years of like 1992 from like partying bullshit and um you know keeping it hot you know in the lyricist lounge like circuit and uh you know underground stuff and then 
all his remix verses, his features, like getting on the song, do a song with Big, he'll fucking kill you. Like, like there's a um a little topic I've seen going around um now with the, the uh, Flavor and Year remix, and people like are discovering like they're going back through everyone's verses, and it's like people are trying to figure out what the hell L Cool J is rapping about. Um, it was quite funny, but uh, Big of course sets that off incredibly. Uh, you think you think about him rapping with Lil Kim, like the different songs he would do with her. I think he was just so, you know, he's the best. He is the best still to me. Uh, I, you know, he's number one. Like, you know, obviously, I think Jay Z is like greater at this point. Like, you, who's the greatest rapper of all time? I think it's Jay Z. But who's the best rapper of all time? Like, it's for me, it's still Big. Like, and I feel like Big would have transitioned. Like, if he holds on a couple more years, right? Like. You telling me like he ain't gonna know what to do with a Manny Fresh beat? I, I feel like Big would figure it out. Um, you, if you tell me like you know the doors uh get knocked down essentially like Pimp C would, was asking for, and he if he gets some Dr. Dre beats, you think Big don't know what to do with them? I think he does. I think Big knows what to do with a Timberland beat. I think Big no, knows what to do with the Neptunes. I think Big mm-hmm. uh, knows what to do with Kanye West. Like mm-hmm. it just just blaze. Like it, you think about all these people that would have like essentially all, everything that Jay Z got, you know, and it, it could have been Bigs. Um. Yeah. It's 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 kind of crazy. I never really thought of it that way in like the alternate universe type of sense of like what would happen if he had st- if he was around still. Like I think that I think just how strong his his um his collections of music were that like it was just a no brainer. That's what the trajectory would have been. As far, but how he would have done it and that would, and who he would have worked with. Um. I never thought about that. But yeah. Like. It. You know. I've always always the one thing I have always thought about is like all right if Jay or sorry if uh, Biggie's still around, like that completely changes. That completely changes Jay Z's career. He's never the top guy in rap ever. Um, Diddy never like becomes like for like a year or two like the biggest star in rap either. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is it's kind of weird because like obviously those are like legends, first ballad, rap hall of famer, f- famers, all that kind of thing. And as you think of like how how like those two without him there had a chance to actually like reach for those kind of heights in uh in in new york um that otherwise would not have been available to them if they had been around like it's almost like when people talk if it was actually legitimate like people talk about how like you know hakeem won his two titles in 94 95 but actually mm-hmm. like you know like hakeem would have whooped jordan's ass at one point in time in one of them series if, if jordan had stayed around because of how how the run of making all those finals runs or whatever else but anyway um like it would have been one of those where you're like yeah that, that person's not that person doesn't have Maybe they, they just don't have that same level of impact. They're still big stars or whatever else, but it doesn't happen the same way. Um, and I also think of like some relationships that end up getting screwed over or whatever else because like Diddy was a Diddy was like fucked over so many people too. Um, mm-hmm. Like what would have been the fallout with his reputation if like we find out that like whatever money that that Biggie made, like he should have made way more or whatever else, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, and whatever the fall, political fallout would have been for like, where does he go if he, you know, breaks up with, with Diddy, leaves Bad Boy, goes somewhere else? I'm, too. I'm glad you mentioned that because Jermaine Dupree, like, you know, was hard after Big at one point. Like, <laughs> yo, and Big was doing songs with talking about I'm S, I'm so so, like all that stuff. Now, like, you know, go, he was t- he was t- hard after Big. Now, now tell him, tell him about the part when it comes to Jermaine Dupree in New York. 
in Diddy. <laughs> nah, that would have been a like a struggle, but I, nah, I think like nah, you know, it, you know, so so death, Atlanta. That's the East Coast, there. you know. That's the oh, East. Yeah. Co- <laughs> yeah, you know, same thing, you know. You know, I would have loved to hear Big and Outcast work together. Like Big had respect for like uh, a lot of people. Like you know, you I remember seeing him. You know, turned up to the '69 boys like in a source of words. He's just <laughs> sitting there clowning like um, the the eye for talent that Big had. Like Big put Cam on. Like he was originally going to sign Cam. Uh, obviously, put Lil Kim on. Like he legitimized the, the locks. Like he legit. Uh, he he didn't put Jay on, but like you know. He wrapped his arm around Jay essentially, mm-hmm. um, and look at look at all those look at all those acts. Like it's it, you know, this guy was so ahead of his time. Died at twenty four. Like it makes no sense because he casts like a uh, and he's gonna remain twenty four years old forever, right? But he casts like this long shadow that he was a man way beyond his years. It seemed like. And obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that happened with him, you know, in his personal life, like stuff with Faith Fevens. And, uh, you know, there may have you know, we heard a lot of stories and stuff like that, seen stuff in the movies. Uh, We seen we heard Faith Evans singing her heart out about it. And there's a lot that goes into discussing big. And I think, you know, I I feel like, you know, if he was uh, someone that was abusive towards women, that is obviously awful and you know i don't want to shy away from mentioning that um and i don't really know how to transition out of that but i feel like it's just something we have to acknowledge and you know i don't and you know the stories with kim and stuff like that as well uh charlie baltimore if y'all notice big keep bad ones but (laughs) um (laughs) yeah but just strictly on the music tip uh Frank White, like they're Brooklyn, you know, shout out to Brooklyn Ike. You know, I'm sure he, he can give us some stories, you know, uh, you know, being being a young guy back then, what, what it was like in BK. But, um, yeah, man, like no one will ever top big. Like, and it, I, I don't, and I say that from a place of like, I don't even know if I want someone to be better than big. <laughs> okay, so um, where do you want to go from here? Um, yeah, this weekend, uh, or this past week, uh, Tony Khan bought ring of honor wrestling, um, bought the trademarks, bought the tape library. Of course, that's what everyone was after. There were no wrestlers under contract, but, uh, all the assets of everything is owned by Tony Khan himself, not all elite wrestling, uh, which is obviously, you know, his dad's involved in that as well. So this is like, purely Tony's and um, I saw it and I was shocked when I saw this because I kind of stayed away from the rumor mill on this one and it just I just kind of let everything kind of happen Bruce it was not revealed how much he paid for it yet I think people have some guesses but um, I'm not sure Uh, I was shocked when I heard this and I was shocked for a lot of reasons one I was happy because the tape library was not being put in WWE, uh, it's like one less thing they can own, and I think a major attraction of the network that we thought would be, you know, the archive. But you know, I think we can all evaluate it at this time and say they don't particularly either care about promoting it or using it in a way to where it would be exciting 
uh, to to make people want to watch that stuff. That a lot of that stuff is taken on a life of its own uh, through creatives like podcasters, like just digging through the network on our own and you know creating content based off of that. But if we had like a company that actually kind of co-signed the content promoted it well and did that there may be a different uh you know because wwe will put these reports out and it'll say stuff like hey the archive stuff is the least watched stuff but it's also kind of like the least promoted stuff too so like you know it goes hand in hand um I don't know a lot about everything that's going on with the deal. I think it's really cool from the tape library side, as far as the wrestling side, James, um, or what were your thoughts on, on, on all that stuff? Um, when they announced it was some big surprise, I, I <clears throat> didn't know what to think. I didn't know what it was. Uh, cause when they put it, it was like, it was bigger than just like they're bringing in, you know, uh, another wrestler. But when they said that they're bringing in, that is Tony Khan outright buying ring of honor. For me, it felt a bit flat because, like, you know, we had heard that once they had, um, that once they were, you know, reformatting what they, whatever they were doing, that, like, you know, they were giving people until the end of the year that were on the town that was under contracts until the end of the year to finish out their deals. And then, like, if they wanted to work elsewhere, they could do that right away. Um, so, you know, as, as a re, the re, the reformatting, it was, seemed like they were trying to turn into like a, you know, a big weekend, super indie type of thing. And like, cool, I'd be down for that. But once Tony Khan buys it, given that he already runs the number two rush promotion in the country, I was kind of confused as to like, what is his plans for this and sustainability of it? Like, was this just, I have it and now I'm going to use, you know, some of the IP for AEW um, are they, you know, um, are we going to, you know, keep honor club and turn it into our streaming, you know, um, service and start throwing AEW stuff on there. Those, I, instead of excitement, I had more questions. That's mm-hmm. way, that's way to put it. Um, and we still don't have those answers, but, uh, the one thing I, you know, I have heard is that they're now that they're planning on running them separately and that Tony Khan plans on booking both of them. And, um, I have more questions. Um, like, are we getting rid of, are we still not doing a, you know, a episodic show or is it going to be an episodic show? Or I don't know. Like I'm trying to figure out like, is it super indie or is it not? Or is it just a regular old rest promotion? Um, and like, what exactly, and, and if, as far as like the crossing between talent and as far as like, uh, how that, you know, how that looks and, um, how that, how that could work and, um, what actual real, what can you really do with Ring of Honor, um, like in 2022? Um, obviously they, they really had a shot in 2018 and 19. They blew the fuck out of that. Um, how but, ironic is this? Yeah. Yeah. Like this could, they could have, maybe they, obviously Sinclair was going to get behind it financially in the way that Tony Khan would, but, uh, but like they all, all the talent and opportunity was there. Like they had, they had, like all the things that Tony Khan is more or less in AEW have fought to get to this point. Ring on already had, they already had the relationship with, um, with, um, new Japan pro wrestling. Obviously it was a slanted one. It wasn't an actual true partnership. It was a way up here, way down here type thing. It was a, <laughs> um, it was, it was a, Le- a, we will bow down before you like the West side. Connection. Yeah. I was going to think of LeBron and a teammate that wasn't like oh, AD okay. or Westbrook. So like, uh, <laughs> so like, like 
it's gonna be like like uh, like him and THT. <laughs> It's yeah. like it's like it's not that's not a that's not an even partnership, even if you sign the clutch. But um, yeah. So I, I was concerned, but I I still am concerned as far as like is he going to overdo it and burn himself out trying to do too much of this? Is he going to be okay trying to delegate this stuff? How much is he already delegating these things? Do they need EVPs? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um. I'm interested to see like the talent they bring in. Are there is it gonna be a place where they're willing to try more people that like AEW just quite frankly just have room for at the time and then use them use that as the the test, you know, as the uh the laboratory to see if the then transition people great idea. Almost like they're evolve for WWE relationship type of thing. I think that's a great idea. And we we had talked a little bit about it uh I didn't, bruce in the comments said he heard some of the talk that roh will be aw's developmental he said he thought dark and elevation filled that role well already i think mm. they could use dark and elevation way better than they do rather than record fluff yeah. and um earlier on it had that it, it had that and then it t- defaulted because like they had so many guys and they had to get all these people over to be like wise personal TV. Well, damn, look, well, damn, they're like they've won like eight of their last six matches, I, bro. I've seen one, and I've seen them like one time the last like two months. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. And and I think um, in a way, like someone that you're not ready to like either beat a bunch or you like you don't want to screw with the records mm-hmm. or you want to get them experience away from like you know having to do it on dynamite and maybe sacrifice your ratings like. I feel like they should be using the like the women should be all over this for one. I feel like the the young guys like all the killers like they should mm-hmm. be all over this like fighting each other, fighting you know whoever they can get in there. Um, I believe uh, Tony Khan in the press conference said he's going to be looking for you know wrestlers to fit both Ring of Honor and AEW like separately. Uh, also, you know they're going to be having aw guys go over there and, and do stuff and it's kind of like this big match wild west uh variant of of, of aw here's a quick little here's a quick thought what about if you start you know given a relationship that aw already has with and had with ring honor um i'm sorry uh you look at a relationship that ring honor currently has or had with new japan the relationship that aw has in new japan like Given that they both that both of these places need it, like why can't they just both funnel like their strong and Shibata guys and the killers and you know whoever else like to Ring of Honor? Because mm-hmm. they they both need it. They both yeah. need it. Yeah, and that that's like another. I know, like Impact kind of like tried to be like this neutral zone. Like they get some of that too, but there's only but there's only so much you can do. Right. Like, cause they're they're not gonna have AEW um do uh, as much much in, in impact anymore. Uh, it seems like so. Um, it, it's it's interesting to think about you know their, their champions and what's gonna happen with those belts. Are they gonna be absorbed into the AEW championships? Are those belts gonna survive on their own? Okay, so um, Gresham is their champion right now. Their top yep. champion, Ring Honor. Where are the other belts? Or excuse me, I think Bandito's still the champion. The TV uh, champion. No, the world champion because he never lost it. I and thought then, Gresham, Gresham was the pure champion, wasn't he? Gresham is the lost the pure title. There's someone else that's a pure champion, but Gresham has a second version of the ROH world title, the original ROH world title. There's two belts out right now. Right. 
and and that's they're and they're fighting each other at Supercard Honor. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought okay, okay, that makes more sense. Okay. The, then Deanna Perrazzo, who works for Impact, has the uh, Women of Honor Championship. When did she Formerly. get Roxy Ford? Yeah, uh, it was like Roxy's last match before she went to WWE. Okay. Um, you know, Ring of Honor Women's World or the Women of Honor title, formerly held by Mayu Watani. You know, um, you know, got her on tape. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one thing. Can can AEW can AEW pick up the old uh, Ring of Honor stardom relationship? How about yeah. that? Yeah, let's do that. Um, and you know, think about think about the archival footage. I didn't get to watch a lot of the Ring of Honor stuff because all that stuff happened mostly while I was not watching the sport. I'd be very interested to see guys' formative years, and you know, if they they market it in a way where it's pretty interesting, they can actually do documentaries. And I think the documentaries that AW put together about Ring of Honor might resonate a little more personally. And you know, they it's like they don't have a habit of disrespecting wrestling history, so. <laughs> So like, you know, they've got Kenny Kobashi on tape, so that's really cool. So Kenny Kobashi stays out of the WWE network. That's you know, let's let's keep that here. You know, you know Kobashi. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but um, uh, uh, Diego uh, Garcia, first time uh, viewer, he says he would use ROH as a way to adapt the people who come from Japan. For example, Konosuke to uh, or Konosuke to Keshta, Excuse me. Like uh, I don't know what he means by adapt. Like, uh, can you elaborate in uh, in the comments for us, please? Um, we'll get back to you when um, whenever you do. Um, but yeah, man, there's there's a ton there's tons of things they can do. Um, it's valuable IP and footage. And Honor Club, I think you know you you heard you know me for weeks and months and even at this point years. I've been saying like, when the fuck are they gonna get a, get on streaming or get a streaming service? Like. Please take my money. Take please take my money once a month, Tony Khan. In addition to whatever I, I give you for um, the pay per views or whatever else. So um, this is step. This is step in the right direction. Like he's he's thinking bigger. <laughs> he's thinking bigger because you know I'm like, bro, they could they could launch they could launch this shit like after the first like year, and he's never got around to it. And you look at what's going on with like WWE and their sustainability. They ain't going nowhere. Like they need to kind of get their roots in the ground to where they can get to that situation. Like I'm not saying take it, do that, and then take it for granted, take their foot off the gas. But I mean, as far as like, like try to build this thing up, like try yeah. to cash out, try to cash out in all the ways where like you can be resistant to whatever like WWE may throw throw at you over the over the coming years or millennia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we know it's going to happen in a couple of years. Like they're going to come hardcore for all the people they have under deals. Now yeah. WWE is going to try to come with backbreaking numbers to like, and, and you know Tony's going to have to outbook essentially that stuff. Like and keep young guys, you know, filling filling slots. And if someone's like they're they've been out in the sun too long, he's clearly not afraid to let someone walk. So, <laughs> but. um I, I think uh, he said uh, Diego said sorry uh, not to not to adapt but to begin to get over with the American crowd. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, I think uh, it is a it, yeah, like you said, it, it it is time for them to start planting those uh, those seeds to 
get more of that income to be able to fight that stuff off because they're going to come after Kenny. They're going to come after MJF. They're going to come after Wardlow. They're going to come after Sammy Guevara. They're going to come after the Bucks eventually. Like, they'll come after Jericho. Like, (laughs) so... um, Wardlow. Yeah. Wardlow. Um, Wardlow. Wardlow. Yes. A real real man, you know. (laughs) Shout uh, out to, to be Wardlow. I saw some stuff this weekend, like, He's that nigga. Like, just... <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You're an idiot. <laughs> the things, the things men congratulate other men about is so ridiculous. You know, got got it all. Got the whole world in front of him. Oh man, anything you want. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess we can. Uh, go ahead and get into our AEW Revolution review. Now we were both live in the building. James, have yes. you rewatched any of this yet, like on tape at all? I have not. I've needed time to decompress and get away from wrestling after all the wrestling we watched over the weekend. Um, we should probably actually mention that stuff. Yeah. We, yeah. So, um, Rich did not come with us to uh, Revolution, but I not Revolution, but uh, Rampage in Orlando from Friday. But I did go to that, um, so I already have that great triple threat uh, TNT title match um, at the forefront of my mind. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know what the plan was, but Saturday um, in the in the in the uh, Saturday and Sunday, um, or, or most for most of the day, like. You know, we're all in it. We're all, you know, in a, in the same uh, house. So naturally, we start putting on these classics, these per- these pearl classics, and, and like a lot of these match or matches I had never seen before. And man, um, there when when you know we cover a lot of wrestling every single week. Um, I often lament that I feel like I don't watch enough uh, contemporary wrestling outside of stuff we cover. Um. Uh, and I also say, like, I feel like there's just so much good wrestling out there. Well, this was a good fucking example of, of how much good wrestling is out there. Um, <laughs> we threw, like, you know, we have, uh, I, I can go down the list of the stuff we covered or we went through and watched that I saw, watched, like, I, um, I had left, um, we have a friend, um, named Ryan Kendrick, uh, who lives in Orlando, uh, in the last few years, and I haven't seen him in a minute, so, especially, or especially since the pandemic, I haven't seen him, so, um, hung out with him, you went to the mall with MP, MP's another person, a high school friend of mine, um, that, uh, that became your friend through all of the stuff we've done with music over the years, because he was a DJ, and we, and, uh, you know, you went to the mall with him, and then we all came back, and, like, at times I was at the house, at times you were at the house, but when I was gone with Kendrick came back, I, uh, you had played for the guys at the house, like Jeremy from Keeping the Strong Style and Dan Coffin and and um, and Jamie, you had played for them the Stardom uh, high-speed match from the other weekend with Starlight Kid yep. and, and Azumi. Um, so by the time I came back, like, uh, they, we had started playing, like, um, so besides that, I don't know what else you played. Was there anything else you played for them that, uh, I, that I didn't was around for? Uh, we, we watched Swerve and Nick Wayne. I watched that match twice. Oh, you watched it twice. Okay. I watched it on the phone initially, like, uh, okay. Saturday night. And then, uh, that Sunday we watched it again. Okay. All, so all as a group. Yeah. So I watched that. That match is great. Um, like swear, fucking murdered that dude like fifty times. <laughs> uh, and it was it's was, it was very interesting because like um, 
the day before when you were gone, um, we had played the uh, Will Ospreay Makaloku match from from like January of this year in Ref Pro. That title mm-hmm. match, the no the ref was it the ref, no ref stoppage match, right? And um, that match is awesome. I I I think it is a tad overstated how much people are talking about it. Like I don't think it's the best match of the year. Like grapple mm-hmm. think like the grapple rating suggests. I I know like I think that Osprey and um and Okada match from uh January five in the dome was a whole league beyond that. But it is a great match. Uh, but it, a lot of similarities. Like mm-hmm. a a veteran star versus uh the the young guy they, they're trying to make and they just beat the piss out of them in front of their loved ones. Um, to get to get over the point and make them like the, the biggest you know underdog fight underneath, and they fight back. But ultimately, at the end, they both put them away. Like very, you know, the story is a lot of the same. Um, there I was no sorry that uh, the Swerve and Nick Wayne match. I thought it was like a it was a really big statement for Swerve. Um, I think this is his first like big main event match that's like made tape. Of course, there's a match with Jay White coming uh, in a couple mm-hmm. weeks that, that's going to hit strong, but this was one that kind of quickly got put in the zeitgeist and, uh, you know, Nick Wayne's had a lot of buzz. I'd never seen Nick Wayne, um, and, but it's, I had heard It's because of that Jim match from last year. Right. I had heard good things and I was like, you know, interested and, you know, I was talking to Swerve about Nick Wayne months ago and he was excited to, you know, do this and then I didn't know it would, it would uh, go so well. I thought it was a really cool story that i feel like shows the value of like regional wrestling yes because like you see swerve um a legend of that area just like in the vein of like you know a couple generations before him brian danielson then it's swerve and darby and then now you see like nick wayne and then the post match after you know everything they did you know as far as like the um you know the all the kickouts all the the drama at the end of the match um swerve ends up putting them away winning he sets the stage to eventually like put this young guy over in the future whether it's in AEW or it's back in defy uh and it just like felt like Swerve has gone to a whole another level. Yeah, and yeah. and then Nick Wayne has just loads of potential that he's like gonna fill because he's gonna he already has an AEW contract, and then and he's sixteen like and he's sixteen and he's the man in Defy already. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, obviously, uh, the UK is a is a country. I'm oh, sorry. England is a country, um, not a not a re- region, but you could say it's the same as XL for the Oku and, and Osprey match. Where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously the Red Pro champion before Osprey was uh, uh, Saber, but same thing applies. Is like you look at the guys that have been Red Pro champion, like they they you know, and you see whether you look at you know any of these indie places, whether it's Progress um, or a Rev Pro. Or you know, Defy, or um, these places that they, like people came stars in, and they blow up and they come back and like you know, or trying or work these programs. Like it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Um, now, how do you know how often Swerve's gonna go back to Defy? I have not heard. Okay. Okay. You know, eventually they're gonna have. Eventually they're gonna have another match, and maybe you know, maybe be some. Then maybe it takes some. You know, multiple tries, but when it does, the roof's gonna blow out that small place. Yeah. Um, then, like some other matches, we of course watched. Uh, 
Shibata and Ishii from the 2013 G1. Um, I believe you guys. I yes. Or I, I watched this one with you guys. Yep. Ba- basically, what happened was I don't know what it was, but so I I think I'd ask a question: What is Ishii's best match? You know, like compared to like what do most people think is Ishii's best match? Because like there's so fucking many you could pick, right? So I was like, what what do people think is Ishii's best match? And then somebody pulled up um the cage match match guide and the two that came to mind were the 2018 G1 match with Omega and then the 2013 G1 match with Shibata. And I, I had never seen it. The only uh, ma- Shibata match I remember seeing between them was the the Wrestle Kingdom match they had in uh, Wrestle Kingdom 10. So um that match is an all-time great match too. So mm-hmm. I was like, this match was higher rated than that. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Um, let's watch it. Let's watch it. And man, like, I I don't have a, I, it, I haven't watched this, the, uh, the Russell Kingdom 10 match since it happened, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, they, they, they destroyed each other. Um, and, you know, that kind of then set the, 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 like the agenda where it's like, we're just going to watch like these Pearl Slugfest for like the, for like the rest of Saturday. And then from there we went to Ishii and, um, we went to Ishii versus Abushi from 2018 G1. One of my all time favorite matches. Right. And you just like watch each other, watch them punch and chop each other in the throats. You know, right? Um, <laughs> Out of minds, so like you have that 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 level of hyper violence, um, and then you know like I think at that point I was like, all right, uh, I can't remember. I'm, I'm start, probably gonna start mixing up days at that point, but then then it turned into all right, we'll play Shingo and um and Osprey from the 2019 Best Super Junior Final. You know, one of all time great matches, and then gotta tell you, hadn't watched that match since the day it happened, or no, since the replay, since like December of of that year. Uh, mm-hmm. that match, that match is still all time great match. I mean, obviously you say, well, of course, only even, you know, three years, match or whatever year, else. you know, right. Like, I, yeah, I understand it's only been three years, but man, like there are a lot of matches that I'll watch and I'll be like, that, that match is all, that match is fantastic. And then like, I'll, if I ever go back and watch it, I'll be like, eh, I don't feel the same. That one does it do. Um, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, that was great. Um, someone handed me the, um, the the control next and i was like how, how and i asked him i was like how much uh, all japan have you guys watched and you know yeah varying my, degrees of right. like my, oh, my not response, much or yeah my response was like only like the masawa like early 90s stuff where he like beats saruta and then like like the first kawada match that's all i got like none of those tags i saw so so i kind of made like a like a sharp left turn there. i was like all right we're not gonna do all japan but we'll do it one day but we'll mm. make a ride over to pro wrestling noah and we watched uh kobashi uh, kenny kobashi versus kensuke sasaki in 2005 after the ghc title run and in the when dome. i tell you in the dome this match it was like it stands up with anything that's yeah. ever happened since yeah like the uh, if you want to match a match that in these days you got to go get ishingo and ishi pretty much Pretty much, like he, and then tell them to do flips. You got to tell you should do flips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shingo will yeah. throw a flip. You know, like Ben Super Junior final. Like he, you know, he hit that. Yeah. He hit that tope on Walt's Yeah, <laughs> he got caught in the. He got caught like, the hung the, up in, in the, the barricade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, incredible Just, match. Uh, 
all yeah. those chops for yes. like four or five minutes in a row. For for those that for those that um trying to give an example of this, uh, for those that remember the two thousand, the be- I believe is the New Beginnings match between Hiromu and Dragon Lee. It was that except at a heavyweight level. I think Rich at that point when we were watching it, like like he brought that up. Uh, so yeah, like it was one of those except like it's it's these two gigantic men. <laughs> just tough, raw energy. Just destroying just. each other, slapping the sweat off of each other. It was it was an incredible match. Driving each other under dome pieces, doing doing suplex off the off the apron to the floor. Um, what a time to be alive in two thousand five. <laughs> just, just like I could wish I was like, there. I you know like I was in high school at a point in time. Like uh, by the time I was probably a high school junior, like I wasn't watching wrestling. It was the first thing in my mind. But if I had saw that, I would have been back. <laughs> <laughs> Come back! <laughs> like, what the fuck is Kensuke Sasaki? Never heard of him. Come out! Why is he? He looks strong as hell. What's he finna do? Oh, they chopping! Oh, they chopping! Oh, they chop for like ten more minutes. I, I would, I just been, I just been marveling at that match. Like, I would have all the WWE stuff or WF stuff I saw and thought it was the greatest matches of all time. I'd have told that shit to pack it up, um, all of it. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a incredible match, incredible war between uh, two big, sweaty, meaty men, and like this is st- like let look let Big E see that. We got to get that to Big E for letting him see if he hasn't already seen it. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, then I think we would jump to modern Noah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I, I you know I had ran in and raved to y'all um, the first week of the year about the last two matches from Noah's Budokan Hall show from 1-1 and you know last week you heard me bitching moan about what happened with um, their two t- their top titles and you know uh, like the olds on top stuff going on over there the political uh, maneuverings going on with their uh, to like stymie off their, their more um, their younger core of guys at the top and you know uh, Jeremy and um Jamie and Dan hadn't really seen much of the outside of stuff. He's seen me talk up. Um, and granted, like I'm not a person that's watched much of it either, but the stuff I've seen is fantastic. So, um, you had already seen one or two of those matches already. So I saw um, both. Oh, you saw both. So like mm-hmm. running back, let's go watch this stuff. And they're in Budokan Hall, filling up the arena in this clap crowd with the, with the, with the, stri- with the strikes and thuds of, of chops and, and and kicks to the chest and head and and it it just incredible wrestling like I just um the see the semifinal match again is like that is that was basically like a New Japan title match main event style match where uh, they ended with a KO ending by by Kino and it was it was fun to rewatch it, it was like no nah, I'm not tripping the match was everywhere as I thought when I was like tired as hell and so thought it was awesome and then the main event where it's going. And 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 Nakajima, Nakajima in that video package, and you know, like us making the jokes about like about Nakajima, was like that shit. yeah, the smile, like the, like that's the the evil smile he gives. It looks like he has fucked your wife, and you just yes. don't, and and he and he and he, and he, he hit it first. He hit it first. Look, Sorry, he he, he, he knows, but you don't. Right, right, like and like that evil smile and his walkout music, and in the you know the jack covered his face, and he was like just like a. I don't want to say larger than life, but like he he looks like a star or whatever. That he man looks, looks like a movie villain. Like that man yeah. looks like either like just I don't know if he's a villain. I don't know if he's a good guy, but I know he's like someone I want to watch. 
Right. So you see, then you see those two matches, and they're just about they're breaking each other sp- wheels and spirits with Nas- uh, with Nakajima's kicks and um, and Ghost chops, and like by the end of it, you're just like, look at these guys, awesome matches, and incredible. They've been matches. they've been moved off to the side. Uh, everybody was there that they hadn't seen these guys before. They were all impressed by them. We all like made our jokes about. We all made our jokes about the uh, the night about all time, all the stuff that Josh Smith from Keeping the Strong Style, who is an aspiring wrestler training, like all the stuff he says that he would and would not do, and uh, and you know like the high bar he is setting himself up to be a a very good wrestler in this era when he's taking all this stuff off the table. Uh, but um, but the one thing that that that. I found the funniest part about talking about Josh at that um, particular um, this particular weekend was that like they talk about like Kaito Kiyomiya and Master Wato being like of of similar of cut, being cut from a similar cloth as wrestlers. Nope. Absolutely the fuck not. Like it wasn't just me that was saying he was crazy. Now it's everyone. <laughs> You're wrong, Josh. So- you're wrong so as Diego fuck. actually had a question related to Kiyomiya. He was like, off topic, but if you were Tony, would you offer Kaito Kiyomiya a contract? I know he's not necessary, but he's cooked under Nosawa's regime. He's cooked, but I mean, look, if it were up to me, if I if I had to say so in it, I am I am finding bad channels to get uh, Nakajima and Kino and uh, Kiyomiya. Mass and, Exodus. And, and Go and Kiyomiya too. Uh, and I mean, even, hell, maybe even uh, uh, more. Bring bring your shiki ass down too. Bring the, bring a second barrel chest dude out there. And get them the hell away from, from that. Because that's, that's nothing but a mess. Like, it's nothing but a mess. Like, is it going to happen? No. It's something I would like. And would it be something that would be an instant like, boost of... Uh, a shot of uh, adrenaline to New Japan in urgency? Absolutely. So yeah, uh, I don't know if Tony would do that. I don't just so. because like I feel like Noah's on its own island. Like I don't know. Like it just doesn't strike me that they're like they're like Amer- an American company would come in it, and try to poach their guys. Right. And at uh, least um and at least like with the um Takesha stuff it made some sense because of at the time Omega had just went into, you know, did the P- Peter Pan show so mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's a former DDT guy. It made some sense that he did reach reach to to Keshta and bring him over for the darts or whatever else. But as far as like um, yeah, uh, as far as bringing risk. someone from Noah, there's really not much of a like connection between any of the wrestlers aside from like maybe Bobby Fish. I think Bobby mm-hmm. Fish did Noah, um, but like Bobby Fish ain't in, in the position to be like, oh, hey, how about R- you go? Ryan Danielson also did Noah back in the day. But that was a long time. Yeah, ago. that was the era when like Mar like is him and Kenta and Marafuji are like the guy are like similar ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like yeah, I mean, but Kenta's already been over here through right. New Japan. I, um, I think New Japan should be trying to sniff around, and you know, I know people don't like people people leaving and stuff like that, but like we've seen people leave companies before in mass. Yeah, like so. Um, so was there anything else that you guys watched? I think that was the last thing I saw before I headed um, off to sound check. Um I think that was it. I think that was it. But like it was just uh it was watching a lot of great wrestling and all time great matches and these physical wars that like halfway through watching I was like, yo, 
uh, this was a terrible mistake. We're about to go, we're, like, we're watching some of the greatest matches of all time in a marathon reel, and then we're about to go watch a uh, contemporary pay-per-view in America. We're like, they're not going to hit nearly as hard, and, and like, we're not going to be uh, watching it up close. We're going to be watching it from the 100 section. So, like, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to see and feel and experience that kind of uh, brutality. And if, and if, even if we are, like, a lot of these matches could be like flips and stuff and spectacular car crashes with ladder matches. Like, this was probably a mistake. And man, like, the matches that were great, I still were able to feel as great. I filled our two matches I need to go back and watch to give his, his proper due because, like, I just wasn't feeling it. But, um, I guess we can just go through it and get into it. Uh, AEW Revolution. Um, initial, yes. th- initial thoughts, Rich. All-time great show, again, from AEW. Seven matches in the notebook for me. Um, Just, you know, I don't, like, I think there's one big peak match, which for me is the trios match, and there was just just tons of good stuff everywhere, essentially, and, you know, I thought everything except the, the women's matches were, like, on that, that very competitive level, like of talking about like match match of the night, um, you know, I thought the crowd was insane being there in person. The pre-show, uh, this is like the best pre-show they've ever done in company history. Uh, the they had the best pre-show match in company history with the House of Black against uh, Death Triangle plus Eric Redbeard. Would the other other would the other match should be able competition be like Rio versus Serena Deeb? Yeah, that would be number two. Okay. Uh, and I actually had the was fortunate to attend both. So, <laughs> um, but I that the AW crowd being in it, it was like a little bit under double or nothing. Like as far as like the energy that was in the crowd, but it was like it was hot. It was it was wild. Uh, you know, there was some stuff that we'll we'll get into later that I was annoyed by. Um, oh, that made with the, the crowd. Jesus Christ! Yeah, you know, in the main event, and it was like I don't know, like I. I was like the Adam, the, uh, the two Adam stuff was it didn't bother me at first, and then it just went on too long. But like it was the other stuff, like the the, the hangman, you know. We'll get into it later, but um, overall, though, I thought it was an excellent show. I had a ton of fun, and it was you know another example of like AEW being on fire on pay per view right now. Okay, so for me, I thought this was a great show. This is probably, this is at worst the second best show I've ever seen live in person. Um, uh, so there's that, right? Um, so it, it, I think it's a, I think it's one of the greatest shows in American, on American soil. Um, so I, I, I mean, I could go deeper, but I think it's best that I said that and then we can move on going, uh, match by match. Yeah, man. Um, so Jericho and Eddie Kingston in the opener, man. Now I don't have my Zoom function on this on this thing today. However, never, ever count out Chris Jericho. I was screaming at the top of my lungs while Jer- I was like, "He's fifty-one, like, <laughs> like the he's thirty-six, but he's fifty-one. He, uh, him and Kingston." It was incredible. Uh, it was like Eddie Kingston was watching those matches with us too because he the bell rang immediately. Jericho was getting dropped on his head. Dangerous suplexes everywhere. Chops. I've never seen Jericho throw that many fucking suplexes. Um, right. And it was just like it felt like 
the the match atmosphere was just insane. Everybody wanted Eddie to win. Eddie finally got like a signature win in this in this promotion, and it was like. You know, you were sitting like a little further down than me, but I was like, James, he's a winner. He's a winner. Like, <laughs> with, the more, with the more appropriate thing should be like, he's not a loser. That's what you yeah. should have said. <laughs> but it, it was it was his first, uh, you know, big win, Jericho, doing more business here and putting people over, making stars, you know, bringing people to the level. I loved it. I, I went four and a quarter on it, and I thought it was uh, thought it was great, insane, insanely hot match. Eddie Kingston is building up a uh, uh, quite a pay per view resume for himself as well. Quietly in this company, I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah, you're right. Um, I thought it was a great match. I and the thing that I liked most about it is when we talked about it on the preview. What is Jericho going to do? Is Jericho going to try to have a technical wrestling match with with Eddie Kingston? Or is he going to try to go out there? Is he going to basically be Painmaker in, in New Japan Jericho and have a brawl? And he chose the right path. So, thank you. Like, there are a lot of wrestlers with his level of clout um, and his level of success um, over the last 30 years that would say, I'm going to do the match that I'm going to do. I don't give a damn. Uh, like, I'm sorry, Goldberg. You're going to have to go uh, over 12 minutes. You're going to have to learn technical wrestling. So um, Jericho has never been that. And there's another example of, of his um, malleability as a wrestler. You like that? You like you like the lessons he word? I barely know how to spell it. I pulled that shit out. I pulled that shit from memory from high school, like just now. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so yeah, malleability. So anyway, uh, yeah, he's just, um, it just shows that like, Jericho Jericho is just more willing to play ball than a lot of his contemporaries, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. Um, and he it, never will. Yeah, um, and I think I think it's a I think it's a, just this thing where like <laughs> now that now that he is like because of uh, where he is now, he is looked at as like the guy that like you know made these political moves. And like, don't be wrong. Like, I'm not saying that Jericho is some some idiot that uh, doesn't realize that like he needs to like work with the next guys over to keep himself hot. Like that's part of the business is like you get to a certain level and you continue working with hot guys, keep yourself on top. Now the thing is like when it comes to it, like are you going to then give back to that person after using it? And like in this case with Eddie Kingston, he absolutely did. Um, so like that, that was, that was uh, what was up. And I thought that like their match was great. I I love the physicality. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, like I've never seen Jericho throw even half as many suplexes in his matches ever. And he was in the cruiserweight division in the '90s with all those all those loser doors he can throw around. But no, um, and I and I, I really like the match. And I hope uh, given the finish where uh, you know he dropped or Kingston runs in very similar to he comes in hot like against um, CM Punk where he comes in hits with the the Oricon, um like he comes in and ducks under and gives him a suplex, a high angle suplex and dumps Jericho in his head, neck and shoulders. And then from there throughout the rest of the match, um, Jericho gets his neck worked over. And then ultimately by the end, Kingston slaps on the stretch plum and makes Jericho tap out. And he's reached out his hand, given that, you know, the, the shit talking Jericho did was like, if you could beat me, cause you're a fucking loser, I'll shake your hand. Well, Jericho didn't shake his hand and walked off, which means there's more to this. And I like to see them have another one of these or two of these. 
this was a fun yeah. ass match. Um, yeah. I gave this four flat. Uh, it was a good match, and like I think I think it's a match that like uh, if I watch it again, I'll probably like it more. Yeah, um, can't say enough about Eddie Kingston, but I feel like I want to say more about Chris Jericho. Like this is an all time great. This is what it looks like. The thing with um, you know, Jericho is applying the lessons of his youth in his older age when nobody wanted to wrestle him, you know, when, when people didn't want to put him over, you know, what did he do when he got older? He wanted to wrestle dudes and put them over. Incredible. Won't be touched. Love this. Love this man, Jericho. Jesus. <laughs> Three way tag ladder match. Match of the night. Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus the Jung books, man. We we had some interesting comments after this match, James, which I thought were very hilarious. Um, I don't but, remember. You got to re- refresh oh, my memory. We we were you know talking about you know the Bucks. Obviously, oh, we'll get to that. Yet. I know you're talking yeah. about. We'll get to that. Let somebody match you. We'll get to that. Yeah. This. So, uh, I I went five stars. Yes, mm. all five of them, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, this was RLPW personified. Tons of flips everywhere, insane spots, insane crowd reaction, insane energy. Um, watching the Matt Jackson lose to uh, Jungle Boy for the second pay per view in a row, um, and it it was like, wow! I thought the Bucks had great gear. I thought Red Dragon's gear was great. I thought they came to play. They were just uh, they were trading off all these. It was like it was like a six man tag kind of, but they were just divided a different way. And it was like, they were all just working together so well. And this is a, uh, a great example of, you know, uh, we, we should have seen it coming. I think with the, with the three way that the champion keeps the belt. A lot of the times um, I thought they were going to go a different direction, but I'm happy they didn't. This is a big signature win for um, Jurassic express. And, you know, this company has designed jungle boy, to be a major star literally from 2019. And this is the next proof of that. Um, the Bucks, again, they're the fucking young Bucks. What else is there to say? Uh, and Red Dragon was right in there, like, also. And, it, and you know, we talk about a lot about great teams. Where do you, well, where let do you me, have let Red? Me, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, hold on. Let's go through the match. So, the story of this match is... it. Remember if I'm wrong, isn't it called a WCW triangle tag match? Yes. Okay. So we go into the match, and I'm in and I was under the impression it was going to be a triple threat tag match where we three people in the ring. It turns out to be a, the old school WCW um triangle tag match where you have uh each tag team is in their three corners, um, and only two people are allowed in the ring at any point in time. And um, at some point, the third team is going to have to find a way to get tagged in or, or give them desperation of not wanting to get their ass whooped or, you know, um, somebody will tag out to the third team and, uh, it's down to one, the, it's one down to one fall. So the way this, like Rich mentioned about it being like a handicap match, the way, the way it turned out was because on opposite corners, you had the Young Bucks and you had the, uh, you had Red Dragon and in the neutral corner, more or less, you had, um, the champions and, they basically worked it almost like a four on two handicap match, um, uh, with the with the the lone uh, the lone little uh, distinct uh, difference being that like Kyle O'Reilly 
or the yump or the red dragon in particular, Kyle O'Reilly is a fuck nigga that is ready to stab uh, the young bucks in the back at any given moment. And it was fantastic. And it led to at times where the, the hills basically couldn't get on the same page or malfunction at the junctions and, or they were trying to, or they were breaking up pins and it gave uh, the baby faces time to, you know, buy time um, in recovering, recuperating uh, and tagging and out. And that was the story of the match. And ultimately, at the end, um, Nick Jackson ends up getting a thoracic expressed and pinned by Jungle Boy. But um, or Matt, Matt, Matt yeah, Matt, on Matt, the Matt, island. Matt, my bad, Matt. And um, this match is great. Uh, this is a match that I had on the borderline between uh, four and a half and four and three quarters. And I'm almost, almost guaranteed, like if if. If I watch it live, or if I watch the TV copy, I'm giving it that four and three quarters. And um, I, I love the match. It was my match tonight for me. Um, I thought it was a great match. You know, I'll watch. I'm like, what the fuck's gonna, what the fucking top this <laughs> tonight? Yeah, uh, the answer was like, nothing. But you get my point. Like, like it's like, yo, this is one of the better. This is one of the better matches you're gonna see. This is one of the very ma- best matches you're gonna see all year. Yeah, Jungle Boy was on some human highlight real shit. Usually, I save yeah. that uh, for Sammy Guevara, but he was just like doing like stuff out of the corner where like he was doing do a, nifty stuff added on in addition to stuff he normally does was already great yeah, yeah. and uh you know i, I was the hot tags fun. for loot for uh luchasaurus were also phenomenal in it yeah. and in a way it made me feel like in a way to kind of it, it felt like he kind of got lost not or not lost but like uh kind of took a back seat to jungle boy getting in getting him over where like he's had a couple of those hot tags in his match and it was like the 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 Luchasaurus chance started ringing off in the way they did, like in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, w- I was having fun. I was like, "Fuck him up, Matt Jackson!" Like, you know, to uh, he was in there with Kyle O'Reilly. You know, just, you know. But so, I, I loved it. So, you know. uh, so that's the that's where I want to get to it. Uh, Nick had it had his great little hot. Or not oh my! He God. had his great uh, hot tag in the middle of the match, but. I thought that like the, the connective tissue throughout this whole entire thing, or the star, or the the straw that mixed that stirred the drink the whole entire entire, entire time was shithead Kyle O'Reilly is back, and he he and it's as if he never left. He's still fucking awesome. He's one of my favorite tag wrestlers of all time, and he went out there and he got involved and mixed it up and stirred shit and wasn't was a jackass the whole time. Like my favorite spot of the night probably was um, Nick Jackson. I'm sorry. Uh, O'Reilly has somebody by a corner in a standing uh, guillotine, and then Jungle Boy gets on that corner, goes to the top rope, and hits a four, hits a shooting stars, hits a shooting star splash onto onto O'Reilly. I was like, because you know O'Reilly, he does this stuff where like he don't care if he gets hurt, he's out of his mind. Um, and there's another one where it's like, you could end, this could, you could end up in a bad way. Don't matter, do it, bro. Like, I love him. Um, I'm glad he's in AEW and he's gonna like continue having these when he gets big mat, get spotlight matches whenever he can, cause he's awesome. Um, like everybody was awesome in this match, period. Even Bobby Fish, everyone was awesome. Six awesome wrestlers going out there and had some awesome, uh, awesome match. Tons of creativity, storytelling, uh, beasts throughout. It's what you want out of wrestling. I'm sorry. Yeah. If they th- I'm sorry if they throw 25 super kicks. It was fucking awesome. Who cares? Yeah. Um, so like we were talking after the match, and it was just it was all hitting us at once. 
So I had I have said this to you before uh, when when we talk about like the when the when the eventual uh, quarterly discussion of the Young Bucks or the Uso discussion comes up, the rhetoric behind that comes up. I'm like, not only are y'all disrespecting because not only are y'all disrespecting the Young Bucks when y'all, I feel you're disrespecting the Young Bucks when y'all say this, right? Like they're not my cup of tea, right? But eventually you can't ignore like the level of matches they have on a system basis compared to the other one, just cause you like them more, right? Like I like the structure of Uso's matches traditionally on a, on every, if you ask me what I want, what more of a diet of, I want my tag matches look more like Uso matches. I want my tag matches look more like undisputed era matches. That doesn't mean <laughs> that, that just isn't my, that's my taste that they have more, more great matches more often than the young bucks do. Y'all gotta stop this. So, um, when we talk about like this, it comes down to all right, like y'all gotta stop this when it comes to talking about the Usos to prop them up as this being this pro WWE thing compared to the indie slash uh, AEW thing of the Young Bucks because it's like, all right, pull up your badge guy, pull up the go to you, go to whatever place you want to see use as a resource. And find Usos matches. And find number of matches that are a certain level. Now, pull up these teams. Pull up <laughs> the, the Young Bucks. Pull up uh, the Lucha Bros. Pull up Kyle O'Reilly in, a replacement le- in any replacement level wrestler <laughs> in a tag match. And Kyle O'Reilly in anyone <laughs> is better than the Usos in a wrestling match. Sorry. It is what it is. The Lucha Bros, we've already discussed this. They're the second best tag team I think I've ever seen uh, with my with my uh, eyes in the last uh, decade. Uh, the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks are the Young Bucks. Sorry, like, this, this isn't a conversation worth having. Like, if we're being honest with you, like, if you had my choice between where they broke them over the last two years, the Usos or Momo and Izumi, I'd have took Momo and Izumi 10 times out of 10. They had more, ma- they had better matches than them in the, ta- in their, in the last two tag leagues and stardom than the Usos have had in the last two years. Not even close. So, it is what it is. I'm not yeah, even going to talk about, like, you know, um, Julia and Shuri, like, finishing in front of them in the Observer uh, tag- Best Tag Team Award last year. I'm not even going to talk about that. Even with Julia missing like the last three months of the year, like with that handicap, they were still got voted over them. I'm not gonna talk about it. They're a great tag team. Let's not prop them up artificially to do your to do your you know identity identity politics with your pro wrestling. Fuck out of here. Yeah, um, you know people always w- would ask, you know, Rich, what would you do if like the Usos started having better matches than the Young Bucks? Well, I guess we'll never know. You <laughs> stupid! <laughs> like the Usos had some great matches, right? Like, um, I want to say last night actually, um, there was a great uh, word was there was a great uh, triple threat tag match uh, from uh, on Raw between uh, RK Bro and uh, whatever the Alpha. What I can't remember what they're calling um, Otis and in uh, Alpha Academy, Alpha Academy, and um, and Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. And uh, Rob had pointed out he thinks he's his greatest, like, this may have been, like, the greatest, like, triple threat, like, tag match in WWE history. And, like, my, my first thought was, like, well, what about, like, all those TLC matches with the Dudleys and the Vampires and, uh, and the Hardys? And, like, what about, like, 
you know, like DIY versus revival versus AOP. And then my, my, my third thought was like, what about like that TLC, like triple threat, uh, match between like the Usos and New Days and, and Lucha House Party? That, those are like, so I'm not like trying to discourage or, or discount the Usos achievements. They're one of my favorite tag teams of all time, right? Like, if you're asking me greatest WWE tag team of all time, for me, it's them and New Day. Um, in main roster WWE proper. So, yeah, like, that's the highest regard I have them. Like, I have them over the Vampires. I have them over, uh, over, uh, uh Jeff and Matt. I have them over the Dudleys. I have them mm-hmm. over the, I have them over Heart, um, the Heart Foundation. Like, I have them over the Rockers. That's how high of a, how New Day, New Age Outlaw. I keep going. Like, I have them that high of regard, but, I'm not about to pretend that like they they want been given the opportunity to be showcased like as a top act in their promotion for most of their career. At times they have, other times they tell them to get like the Red Cross. Um, I don't know. If, do, do you know what they're doing uh, in Dallas for WrestleMania? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Neither do I. Um, <laughs> I don't know what New Day is doing either. Hmm. So, um, imagine making all that money for a promotion for a decade or a decade, basically. Like, news has been around for a decade. The uh, New Day's been around since 2014. Right. Um, Ain't got nothing for the biggest show of the year, bosses. Sorry. Sorry. Speaking about making money for a decade, someone that's going to make money for a decade from now. Wardlow, <laughs> the face of the revolution ladder match. We had Wardlow defeating Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks. Now, when we saw this match on paper, we didn't see really any obvious high flyers, like maybe aside from Keith Lee, but um, we saw big guys, we saw smart guys, and I felt like we got a combo of the big guys and the smart guys in one of the more creative multi-man ladder matches I've ever seen. Just totally unique spots, splitting a ladder in half to to like use it. Um, they the joint where Orange Cassidy is like in between them, and you think he's he's screwing around, but all of a sudden he flips up on the joint, and then the, the whole cat. crowd pops. Yeah. Yes, whole crowd pops because they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, is he gonna win? And then Ricky Starks taking the big power bomb, like, uh, you know, on, on the neck, uh, the surgically repaired neck. And, uh, yeah, he's good. So we, we don't have to, you know, worry about him. But, uh, this was about the war, the war dog. Like we, we saw the face off with him and Keith Lee. The crowd was into it. The crowd was into him and Hobbs. Um, but this was like, uh, uh, this day has been coming. For a long time, you know, when when One Nation Radio was telling y'all in 2020 that yo, this Warlow dude never fucking misses. Anytime they put him out there, he's he's. I remember him and Hangman had that war in the semifinals uh, on Dynamite yeah, of the first was, eliminator. That was October because that was the same weekend as that. Um, that was the same day as that. Uh, Re- the first uh, Rhea and uh, Raquel match, and they like quite quite similar. Hosses hosses uh, knocking slob. <laughs> Yeah, that and whenever that match happens, as you know, the next time they do it, those two guys are going to come into it. It's going to be it's going to be big time. Um, I'm a huge fan of Wardlow. Um, 
and I think he's got the world at his feet. Like fucking this up would be damn near impossible at this point. Um, he wins, obviously gives the gives the sonic ring, and <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say. Like I, I, I gave the match. A, I want to say I gave the match a four. Um, and it was just like I thought it was like you know a cool match like just lots of lots of good stuff around. Keith Lee looked good. Um, Hobbs like you know was was in there taking big bumps off the ladder. I didn't expect that of him. Uh, Christian was staying away from every goddamn body, which was funny. But um, yeah, I I thought it was another good match. I thought it was a great match. I think I like this match more than you. I had it in the mid five, in the mid fours, mid fives. Mm-hmm. I don't even do that. Uh, so I had it in the mid fours. I thought it. Was, I thought that like the creativity level, it, given um, maybe I'm rain a vacuum, given that like I knew there were gonna be much flying in it, so it's gonna come down to creativity and and the hoss is slapping meat. And I thought it did all of that. Um, it did it very well. It, it made uh, Keith Lee losing not look like a bad thing while showcasing him as a as a world beater. Um, uh, I mean. James, I don't. Yes, I hate to interrupt you. Well, we got breaking news. We have a new NXT champion. Who did Who did Braun Breaker defend his title against? Not Dolph, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler is the new NXT champion. If y'all didn't think it was over already, it's caskets you know what this is for day finish hell this is for day finish hell we'll for clip weeks, this yeah please do for weeks and weeks he has um suggested to us uh or maybe i'm taking this personally it felt like he was suggesting to me to get back on the nxt train and watch it and it's actually uh, a very good show now at this point. Um, even, 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 um, like, I'm supposed to just ignore, like, the cage match scores I see and, like, see the results and then see, like, the reviews I hear and see, like, like, the stuff I see about it where it's, like, the show is sometimes okay if they build to it, like, you know, New Year's Evil or Vengeance Day they can they can have a good show most most weeks it's not a good show um and i'm supposed to take time from like all the other like really good wrestling that like i can't get to and wish i could i haven't watched ceiling at all this year i have i have the stuff on cinema hard drive from uh the first two shows of the year so far um i am he he expects me to say i'm james don't watch arisa nakajima <laughs> don't watch don't watch oscar vinny watch this where like you're lucky if you get one good match on a show we got most we, weeks. we gotta we gotta stop the traffic make people get out the way because we may see this three point seven five star match <laughs> out of a two hour show uh yeah so of mostly crummy wrestling so for me um this is more proof Whereas like finish shell, you have you have you have tried to convince me to get on this. I'm about to tell you, bro. No, <laughs> I, I have I have never I've never just outright I've never outright just said I'm not doing it. I've just taken it and, and humored him. But now the answer is no, I'm not doing it. I left last summer 
Um, I see no reason to go back outside of maybe one match or here or there, but like as far as they sit down for two hour, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, with commercial breaks, like an hour and, and, um, and 20 minutes worth of watching, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, we got to throw up the X for the NXT brand at this point, man. Yeah. New boy is critically injured. New Japan Good Cup God. is going on. Like, Shingo and Ishii? Nah, nah, James. Watch. <laughs> Okada and Desperado? No, James. I need you to watch um, Tony D'Angelo in an Ambrose Asylum match versus Pete Dunne. As Pete Dunne wastes away his considerable talent in a fucking LA Fitness. As one of the best wrestlers in the world. Not the way. Not the way. No. Anyway, back to uh, to the good wrestling. So yeah, Warlow wins. Um, very happy for that. Um, given what happens later tonight, it makes all sense in the world. It ties together all the stuff that they have done that I that kind of like checked me out on CM Punk and uh, MJF. But I thought that they did a good job with the three with the three big men. Um, I thought that uh, they they touched on the appropriate uh, storyline beats of. How are we going to make Heath like look special while still losing? They accomplished that. Um, I don't know if Orange Cassidy is okay, but because when he yeeted Orange Cassidy, it didn't like it. It didn't like it looked like they baby they may have gotten a hand on him. They couldn't catch nothing. They they one that they weren't trying to catch him. It was that they couldn't because <laughs> they Keith Lee and Orange Cassidy. They they decided I'm gonna jump real high. I'm gonna throw real far and splat. So. Um, hopefully Orange, hopefully Orange Cassidy's okay. Um, <clears throat> Ricky Starks, when he took the, the power bomb on the ladder bridge, it, my, my initial thoughts as was happening was like, oh, this is going to end up like the Dean Ambrose, Brody Lee thing from WrestleMania, uh, mm. 31, where he power bombs me. He's going to basically land on his head and neck. And like, if it, if it breaks in the middle, he's landing, he's just basically landing his head and neck. And this dude with the, that broke his neck last year. Um, lucky he didn't break. But he did land on his neck. And I was concerned about that. Apparently, he's he's not in that bad of a shape. So, that's good that he didn't die. Um, but, yeah, this is a very fun match. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy the, the race to the top between uh, Hobbs and Starks. Yes. In the match. Yes. I, I really enjoyed this match. I really did. I, 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 I am really considering going back and rewatch this whole entire four-hour show. From the, the tape perspective compared to live, because there were things in the special, we'll get to it later, like, there are things that kind of, like, from watching, from, from where we were sitting, I, I was confused. It was tough to see, and the, the lighting was, uh, it was everything was real bright from that angle. So, um, up next, we had a singles match for the TBS Championship. Jay Cargill successfully defends the belt against Ty Conti, and I thought this one was better than people would have expected. Um, I'm going to give this the the... Gentlewoman's three on this, and I thought that uh, that Jade further cements her star aura. They bring the guitar player out for her. she gives him the head nod. She comes to the ring dressed like Jade from Mortal Kombat. It starts with the kiss of death, uh, which was promptly memed up. Just she's she's figuring it out um, very well. I think Ty Conti did a good job, like hitting her back hard, making her kind of go through something. Um, of course, and it looked like, you know, they were kind of trying to cheat Jade a little bit. They were trying. Yeah. So they, they were they were uh, using the chairs and they were uh, trying to, you know, steal this this uh, this belt. And 
I think they caught uh, one of the like one of the near falls. Like they caught everybody. So um, for me, I like this match more than the um, AEW Women's World Title match. Um, I, I, you know, playing on the, um, playing on the kiss of death thing. Um, that was cool. She got it, uh, and Ty got it back. Um, the 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 cheating at least was at least has a reason for it from the baby faces where. Um, Anna is just standing there at ringside, and Jay takes a cheap shot at her, so she gets her back by having her run into a chair. So, fair is fair, whatever. You get, you gave me a lick, I give you one back. If it costs you your title, it's your fault because you shouldn't have been fucking with me. Um, so, I'm, I'm okay with that. But, yeah, like like you said, um, this match was about as good as you could expect it to be, given her, uh, those two level of experience and given that spot and what they had to follow. Like, they had to follow... A slug, a slug fest, uh, with, with two of the biggest stars in the company. They had to, uh, f- then, then, um, one of the best matches of the year, um, so far, uh, in a, in a six person, you know, spot fest. And then a, a fucking ladder match where they, where they're, you know, people are crashing and burning and, and skimming, skimming to cut off ladder bridges and people getting powerbombed through bridges. So yes, like it was, it was a hard act to follow. And I thought they did us a, a, uh, a serviceable job. Yeah, man. Um, we have up next the dog collar match, CM Punk and MJF. And one day later, everyone is just stuck talking about CM Punk's entrance. Really? This has been a controversy all day with like the people that are making up. Like, I think uh, Jesse from, um, I, I, let me get his last name so I make sure I credit him properly. Um, he did an entire thread on this thing here where <laughs> where it's it's just like the the CM Punk music discourse has been a whole thing that's just dominated the day. I don't you know, know what's he, going on. I have no idea what you're talking about. So there was someone that uh, it was basically one of those things like, hey, you know, why, what is this music? Casual fans don't understand this. And it was like a whole thing. Jesse Collins. He's like, there is a... Um, class of people who only really know and also some folks from Fightful were saying this um, so this is a guy named Jimmy Van I believe hosts a thing on Fightful and he said the CM Punk ROH entrance at Revolution is getting a polarizing reaction in my opinion if not for Alex Calibre's explanation I wouldn't have known since I was an ROH fan back then this is something Tony Khan still needs to realize not everyone gets the indie references the issue was you said, if not for Excalibur's explanation, that literally would happen, buddy. Right. Um, That's what I was getting at. Cause like, <laughs> I saw a video of it on, on AEW's Twitter as I was leaving, as, as I got home or, or I got to back to the Airbnb after the show. And I heard the commentary of, of the entrance. And I remember him saying that like, this is, a call back to Ring of Honor CM Punk. Then he comes out with the gear that CM Punk used to wear with the basketball shorts and the and the jacket. And this is something we talked so, about in our group chats 
maybe like a week or so ago, and it was like, imagine CM Punk comes out in basketball shorts, like yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, but that's so. but that's just a us thing. But like, let's take it to like if you what if you, what you don't know or what you're expected to know or whatever else. Like, the whole entire program has been built around, or not all of it, but an aspect of it, a big one was CM Punk, or MJF thinking CM Punk is being soft, Cena like master of ceremonies and not like a person with any kind of edge, just a white meat baby face, if you will. So he comes out as the as as a voice of the voiceless with his old heart back to the gear that made MJF a fan in the first place, like it's very similar to like when Jericho, when Kingston says to Jericho, "I don't want this guy that we've been getting with 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 the fucking mimosa shit," and like I want the guy that like got the respect to Tenryu, right? Like right. the same thing, and then he and then all of a sudden Jericho starts throwing suplexes, right? Like he comes back looking like the guy that Punk like fell in love with wrestling through. That is the story. So I'm so. So so once MJ or once uh like you said once Excalibur says that on the commentary the end you just weren't right. paying attention and and I, and I think like it's it's just pure bad faith uh it's pure um you know I I can appreciate it. and flat I'm just going to say fuck it like I love that there's a fact that there's a company that is catering to us or whatever, like it doesn't have to be "quote unquote" for everybody or whatever. It's if you get it, you bet. Look, like, you better speed up because because they don't slow down. Like like you know, get it like the Red Cross. Like how long you been? You know, y'all making up these people that apparently have never watched professional wrestling before that somehow ordered the AEW pay per view would be confused about this. Stop this. This is cap. This is a bunch of just like. Uh, Dumb shit. It's really become no, way bigger I, than I understand. I understand the the wanting to wanting to be in on the joke or the thing, but Escalera put you in on it. If you didn't hear him or listen to him, oh fucking well, that's your fault. Right. It's not right. The, the onus was on them to explain it to you. They did. Now it's on you. Right, and even if they didn't explain it, like I was okay. It, so I was in. We were okay. So for example, we didn't have the bit for the commentary. We're sitting there, right? I have never heard that song before, not once ever in my life. I don't listen right. to AFI, AFI, right? He comes out. I see the gear at least. I've seen pictures of CM Punk. Maybe, and maybe, maybe you never seen pictures of CM Punk. Back then, right? So maybe that's an unfair. You know how I don't believe this, this, James. Hold on, hold on. Maybe, maybe that's unfair that you've never seen pictures of CM Punk from Ring of Honor when he had the blonde hair in the shorts. I'm next to somebody that did know. If you're in the building, right? There are people that are singing the song. Mm -hmm. I'm. Do you not talk or listen to the people that are around you? Like. Like to me, it's almost like when people talk about like don't know like uh, or can't pick up like uh, like A A V N. I'm sorry, uh, mm -hmm. uh, A A V E, and it's like, hey man, I like for you, that's on you. Use context clues, figure it out. It's on sometimes, sometimes like and th and this is and this is life, right? If you don't know the lingo, if you don't know how to talk and behave around people, a certain sect of people, you will lose out in the same way that like. And that, and that goes to, like, when you don't understand things. And, like, I'm sorry, like, 
Um, and maybe maybe I've gone too far down uh, on a tangent or whatever else, but like, hey, like they explained it on the commentary. Most people that are watching this are on commentary. If you were in the arena and didn't understand it, and like you see people, uh, but you other see other people vibing to it, then sometimes you gotta just shrug your shoulders and roll with it, right? Like the Dan House thing. A lot of people don't get don't get Dan House thing, but like they see a lot of people pop for it all the time. He shows up, so they do what? They shrug and say, "Hey, well, people love it. Whatever." Same thing like with Orange Cassidy, like. It, it is what it is. Like, I don't know what to say as far as uh, the CM Punk thing, but um, like it was on commentary. That... You didn't get it. You didn't get it. I feel like we was wasting too much time on this already. But go ahead, Josh. Uh, I'm going to call you Josh. Go ahead, Rich. Um, they, like, these people that have been these, that have, like, cast themselves as these WWE historians and, like, you know, James, like, you remember the CM Punk Best in the World DVD. That's, like, one of the biggest DVDs yeah. they ever put out before. Yeah. Like, I seem to remember seeing CM Punk dressed in basketball shorts and people haven't being able to pick up the context clues of what the hell everything looked like. Um, Sam brought up a great point when, you know, they like they were changing uh, Triple H's music at like WrestleMania 27 and uh, Undertaker was randomly coming out at Johnny Cash at one point. It's like something cool to do. Uh, Jesse Collins, right. I'll bring up his his uh uh, point he said there are maybe a class of people who only really know wwe maybe wcw and for a long time those people have felt confident in their wrestling knowledge in that time these people would become arrogant because some of them have podcasts blog sites that have a following aw becoming a mainstream entity has exposed these people as knowing less than maybe they presume they did when aw does things differently than wwe it causes confusion uh when they find out that they didn't get a reference they get mad because they're insecure in their knowledge that mentality leads to the creation of the mythical casual fan someone so dumb and irrational that they would become irreparably alienated by something as simple as cm punk's entrance being different due to their arrogance uh these people assume that since they were confused by the punk's entrance the even more less knowledgeable fan must really be confused then they make those bad faith arguments about why this is a bad move for aw the reality is the less knowledgeable fan didn't give two shits about the entrance um he said he's he's talked to plenty of them over the few days uh he's heard no strong opinions on the entrance the only um complaining about it are the insecure pundits um he also did not know it was roh music at first it wasn't until he saw the outfit that he put two and two together because he's rational and said oh i get it it's a throwback and moved on so shout out to jesse collins i thought he put that pretty well yeah um a lot of that uh makes some sense to me um especially the part um especially the part about uh like thinking that uh, because you don't know something nobody else will know and therefore that they'll be alienated from it um like you know me, like I'm, I'm on a almost on a monthly basis. I'm going through some like dark, d- dark days of Joshi to try to figure out like what the fuck happened. How did we get here? And um, like there are things that I learn all the time that like I was totally unaware of and realized and didn't have no idea like what the reference was to what I had watched previously and and whatever else. So in between all these, you know, literally a dozen promotions. So uh, yeah, like I. I yeah, like the the part where someone says like you know some they they in bad faith act like someone will be turned off by this. No, like if if you don't want to learn, you don't have to. Like it was a play the cool song. Like at at at, at its most basis, at its most uh simplest form, like they played a new song different than what uh, Punt normally comes out to, and it connoted and it kind of fit the mood of the violence they were supposed to be uh, going into. Right, so there's that. 
then you find out his his song, which I did not know that was his Ring of Honor song because at one, I'd never heard of song for my life. Two, I never watched Ring of Honor before. And three, I could have sworn it at some point in Ring of Honor he was playing uh um Cult of Personality too. So don't had no idea. So whatever. Find out it's other song, cool. Didn't need to right. know that was other song, cool, but cool. Whatever. And and this was the reason, like, when I saw that, I was like, this guy fucking gets it. Like, CM Punk, Tony Khan, figuring it out. Because the people that are going to understand it are going to love, love it. it even that much more. Right. And, and, and like, there, I, I thought it was incredible. There, Okay, yeah. And that's the thing with AEW, right? Like, there is a thing to be said about... there. Uh, there is a thing to be said about trying to, you know, um, in a... Um, most common denominator way try to pull as many people in to watch as possible. But there's also something to say about I'm going to, or we're going to try to make something that's not necessarily for everyone, but we're trying to make something for a certain number of people that don't love an AW more times than not senses tends to skew towards. We're trying to make uh, things for people to love as opposed to just like, right. They've done it over and over and over again. And there's nothing wrong with that. If it if it's only for a certain number of people um, around, so be it. But those people will, will be with it for a long time compared to something they just like and can drop it. Well said. Let's get to this fucking great match that we gotta talk about. Like <laughs> they um, MJF, of course, hit CM Punk's music. That's that was also a dead giveaway that something else was gonna happen. He you know does the whole troll job of coming out to uh cult of personality comes out to his music uh punk comes out like we mentioned basketball shorts white you already know what, it, what it's about to be um now there was some questions in, in the chat said it seems like the crowd was a little subdued during this match they were they were definitely in the middle of this match that it was like you know they were kind of fighting around and everyone kind of used that opportunity to come down from the show that they had seen uh, that, you know, thus far. And this goes from the pre-show, everything from the Malachi Black match on. Shit was just like inferno levels. But then at the end of the match, they were going insane. So like, you know, I thought this was an awesome match. I like just loved the way they they did the bleeding, the the Wardlow uh, turn, like kind of zipping up. Everything they they brought Warlow in with uh, with this story. At the end of the day, MJF the heel loses. Uh, I didn't think it was like uh, I think there are a lot of people that are thinking it's like all time classic match match of the year. You'll probably end up seeing it on some people's list. I wasn't that high on it, but I was I probably gave it like a, I, wanted, I, I was a four four and a quarter on it, and I thought it was a great match. <coughs> and they it, it they lived up to the dog collar reputation. I thought. Yeah, um, I was in a group of people that was a dude while watching it. There were times while I watched this match where, like, I caught myself dozing off. Um, I don't, I, I, this is a match that I'm going to have to rewatch to get an appreciation for, given where we were with it, given it, like, there's only so, chain rattling, um, chain rattling is only going to reach so far in sound, right? Um, and CM Punk and MJF aren't finna go out there and chop shit out of each other. Right. Or, or throw a million forearms or whatever else. But, um, you know, uh, 
it just the match wasn't for me, but I'll give it a benefit of a doubt by giving it another watch, right? Like I, I am willing to, I'm willing to say that like I, the match is probably better than I liked it, or better than I liked it on initial watch, like because I, you know, I, I for 26 minutes I was often bored for most of it, um, but uh, it told a decent story, um, throughout. And like the, uh, but I, but for a lot of time, like it felt like they were just, you know, going, going like almost paint by paint by numbers for, and not in the wrong way, but in the right way of like, you do this and you do this and you do this. Oh, we'll give you a tomb, the tombstone on the apron. That's cool. We'll pull out some thumbtacks. They'll pop for the thumbtacks, we'll bring out MJ or sorry, we'll bring out Warlow. Warlow will um, forget the ring. Then he will have the ring. People lose their shit because he actually had the ring, and now he's leaving MJF to 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 his own. Um, and Punk gets his win back. Um, and now we're headed towards MJF and Warlow finally. So like, as far as the match, like there there like I I thought it was one of the worst matches on the show. Not that there were many uh, matches that were bad, but just like I thought, like there were a bunch of things that like. Just from initial viewing, if I was going to say, hey, remember that show you were then to? Let's start watching matches in order of how much you liked them. Like, it'd be one of the, it'd be one of the, on the very low end of the matches. But, like, I, I just, um, for the stipulation, um, you got to have a really violent match. And CM Punk and MJF are not violent people. They even with the stipulation, they just it just it just didn't do anything for me. Like if you want, like if you, look, how about this? You tell me uh, what, what would have made more sense: putting uh, Moxley and Danielson or Kingston and Jericho in the dog collar, or letting uh, or letting uh, them in the dog collar because they wrestle like they, like they needed dog collars. Those two did not to me personally. They had a match with with the shit around their necks. That's funny. Um... Yeah, I I would suggest watching it back because like I thought by the end like it was just a they they were masters at working the crowd into a frenzy and I think a lot of that comes down to CM Punk being just over on an ungodly level. I could they work right the crowd now. for could they work the crowd for eighteen minutes instead of twenty six? Like I, I'm not just gonna like nitpick like on time. Like, I'm not nitpicking for, the time. I'm not nitpicking the time, but like. I was sitting there looking at the crowd. I'm like, this shit ain't good. And then the crowds realized, like, looking <clears> around, like, the crowd starts reacting, like, oh, yeah, this shit ain't good either. And then I was like, oh, so it's not just me. The rest of the crowd also, like, sitting down and, like, and really toned down for the most of this match, too. And then, like, they pick back up when they pull out the, the thumbtacks and the, like I mentioned, the the spot with the, the tombstone on the, or the power driver on the floor or apron. And then the world stuff, like, it just, it, it, it just, it was a lot of stuff where they were people were excited for the match, and then the match kept going, and people got less excited for it, and then they picked back up around the things that I've highlighted. But um, doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad match, but it's like it's it was it wasn't a bad match, but it wasn't a match that like I that like grabbed and captivated me in a way that like the other stuff on the show did left and right. So we had. Up next, we had Britt Baker against Thunder Rosa. For oh, for the-, the record, I like the first match. I like their first match with the two uh, with the two falls that MJF won more than this one. Uh, I'm the opposite. Okay. <laughs> um, so 
we had Britt Baker against Thunder Rosa for the AW Women's title match. This one went uh, 17 minutes. Britt Baker retains the title with the House of Torture uh, getting involved over and over and over again. We kind of laid it out last week that this wasn't. Did you just call him the House of Torture? I did. <laughs> um, so they. Um, <laughs> we laid this out last week of saying this was on the table uh, of Thunder Rosa could you know like there there was talk that she could lose this one and they're going to be in san antonio in two two weeks and then later on in the show they essentially gave it you know the idea like they, they essentially told you what was happening they had uh thunder rosa square in the middle of all the advertising so this is like one of those things where they just it's like they give it all to you like it's like they give it to you they they give it to you before they book it kind of and it's like oh okay Okay, I mean, like I, I guess, yeah, but um, for me, it only really makes sense now that if they've kind of shown us this one part, there has to be something else that isn't there that they're not showing us, like a cage match stipulation or something like that. But uh, as far as this match goes, um, I this was not good. Um, <laughs> this was now this one. I feel like I was sitting there like, uh, what was happening, and just hanging out and. You know, Thunder Rosa was firing up, trying to go through all you know the 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 heaters on the outside. Uh, I I don't think Britt of late has really had it going. Uh, you know, her match with Rio, um, some of the other matches that she's had have just been not her best. Uh, I haven't really dug what she's had going on pretty much since the Statlander match. I want to say. Um, it looks like, you know, the, the clock is ticking and it looks like she's going to come off it in two weeks. Uh, I think a lot of people wanted that belt. Now there was debate on whether this had been built up, uh, like Thunder Rosa was going to win. Maybe you can look back on these things and then like a couple of things and be like, Hmm, maybe it wasn't, you know, set for her to win this time. Um, but I, I think that's up for debate. Like I can see either side of it. Um, new belt. Um. Yeah, and it looks like one of the mid south titles is huge now. So I guess the people that cared about that, you know, whatever. Um, what What do you think of them just like just Brit just showing up with a new belt instead of like somebody unveiling it and saying like the next, you know, what do you think of that? I I don't care either way because like sometimes like when you're like, hey, I think she did that the last time oh no it was she that got the belt um they gave it to her on tv if i'm right. not mistaken and she just came out with it here so i i it doesn't bother me to do it this way like either way is fine um i don't think that uh you know the match was it wasn't anything to write home about nope. and i think brit's drawing the ire of people right now um match one's good Match wasn't good. Um, given the layout, even if they wrestled better between the stuff, like you weren't going to come away with it with with um, that feeling of you got a good match anyway. Um, like, and you got to keep in mind, like it's following a twenty six minute dog collar match. Like they set them, they put them, like they put them in position. Like um, from my perspective, because you like the the match more than me, like this was the dead spot of the show where like you have the Jade match, um, which wasn't bad, but like or you can say it's barely good, whatever you want to say. Uh, 
Then you have the 26-minute dog collar match. You got this match. I'm like, yo, this is a stretch of like where it's like they have they have really uh, they have really uh, brought it down uh, to, and hopefully they pick this shit back up. But and they did, they absolutely did. But um, yeah, there was word after the fact that there was a that this match like the, the finish got changed multiple times throughout the week and. Um, I'm thinking maybe they were planning on putting the belt on Thunder Rosa here, and then they do, they were come up with some wacky excuse to give, uh, Britt some bail, and they were going to do a final match. Like, probably, like, the interference is going to eventually, like, she was going to end up getting hit by the interference or something, and then, like, Rosa's going to, like, roll her up or some shit like that, and then she had an out, so then they had to have a final match in, in a cage or something like that at, in San Antonio. Um, they decided, and it seems like they decided, let's just screw Thunder Rosa here and then put it on her in two weeks. Um, whatever. Um, but it, it did either way going to this match, this match didn't, didn't dissuade me to where it's like, if they're going to wrestle each other, they got to have weapons or something or some special type of stick because like them just in a wrestle, regular wrestling match, like it is not good enough. Um, it's not. So, yeah, I, yeah. I would say, um, this is like one of the first matches I think in AEW history where, I think everyone pretty much saw like a foregone conclusion for it. And then it went the other way. Like, <laughs> like I can't really think of too many other ones thus far, uh, aside some, from something like maybe a Kenny and pack or something like, but I, I would consider that kind of a different class. That's just like a shocker. This one is like, Oh, we know like this is happening on this show. Uh, it's all led um, here. Maybe, maybe private party young bucks from the tag op- tag opening round of the tag tournament. Maybe. I I I was more referring to pay per view matches. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But, my bad, my bad. Um, the match in a few weeks, you know, it, it should be, you know, what everyone was looking for it, here. It's got to be better than this, flat out. Like yeah. they come out here and do this shit again, then like cancel Christmas. Yeah, discussions need to be had at that yeah. point. Then, <laughs> and you know, they got two but, women's if, matches. If this should happen. They better cut. Uh, um. They better, they better cut Bushy with a check and get some motherfuckers in to know how to wrestle. Like, because bro, like look ugh. at the rest of this show. Like this is not close. Like, and I know people aren't supposed to talk about this or whatever, and it's supposed to be, you know, like these they, two okay, women's so, matches on this real, show real quick, real quick. were f- so far away from the rest of the card quality wise, so, and it's like why. So what I'll say is this, right? The J match, I like the J match more. Same. Uh, but there was a particular section during the Jade and Ty Conti match. I think it was I think it was section one eighteen that were living and dying by that match. Mm-hmm. And by the time they got to the Brit and the um in the Thunder Rosa match, that crowd treated it as if that was just another match. I don't know if that was like friends and family in that particular section or <laughs> or if that was like um uh or if that was like some some version of WWE uh uh diva fans or whatever else for that came for AEW and they love Jade because I could see I could see a lot of them loving Jade or whatever else. To, and then and then they got the Brit and they and they and they don't give a flying fuck about Brit. But it that section that section that was so live during that then the first one's match for the second one they they were just like us we were like yo this is a good enough <laughs> it just wasn't so yeah like I would suggest to uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker 
they ain't necessarily got to try to uh, have a stunt match like they had last year, but they better have something better than what they did last Sunday. I appreciate them for laying it out, being the one-year anniversary of the same event of their famous match. Uh, I think that's pretty cool to book it out like that. But uh, y'all got to deliver now. Like, no excuses. Like, Because it's probably going to be like the main event or the opener, one or the other. Right. And, like, we know Thunder Rose is going to be over like a god yeah. in Texas. So, yeah. License, bitty, bitty, bum, bum. What are we doing, TK? So, yeah. Wow, you stupid. License to Salino. <laughs> now, what I will say is uh, they were, because, um, you know, the um, Thunder Rose's music, like, when she was in, like, on the 80s before and, like, in Tokyo Joshi Pro, like, it's different than what it is that you hear here. But, like, there was a, uh, like, ACDC Barracuda chant for her at the beginning of the match, and I thought it was really cool. Hmm. Thunder, ah, thunder. Uh, that shit was cool. It, it, but then they started wrestling, and uh, there wasn't people didn't want to do that shit no more. Evaporation. <laughs> the match wasn't matching the way it should have matched. So yeah. <laughs> so up next, uh, we had John Moxley defeat Brian Danielson by pinfall. This went twenty one minutes. Uh, this is another really good match. Um, they very physical, very violent. Uh, strange finish at the end. Um. Uh, actually, I, I glossed over one thing that one other thing that happened. We had a big debut here on this show. Um, so Tony Giovanni's standing out there, and boy, boy, uh, apparently he's got a contract like in his hand, and it's like hanging over, and everyone can see the name that's on there. This is what people on TV are saying. Uh, but we get the debut. Of Swerve Strickland in AEW, Swerve comes out, suit crowd pops. They're um, still trying to get used to the theme song. I think the theme song is going to get over. Oh, um, it is. So, um, shots up to him. I know everyone's going to ask. I did not do anything with that song. So, um, but I think uh, I think it's going to work. And uh, he came out with the suit on, uh, dressed the crowd kind of real cool fashion feels like he's a baby face right now which i like for swerve uh i i like his baby face work uh even though his heel work like stuff he was doing defy was awesome too i would like to see him be a baby face uh in this company just because i feel like people like him and they want to cheer he can for him do whatever he wants like i've seen him as a baby face like when we saw him in evolve when we saw him um versus saber in 2019 when we see i saw him in the beginning uh in the cruiserweight uh uh, whatever the hell they were calling the cruiserweight like a uh, version of uh, the G or best super juniors in NXT. He's a great baby face. He's a great heel too. He he can do whatever he wants. He's that kind of talent. Yep. So um, I guess the who's house swerve house going uh, crowds reacting to him like he's a superstar. Um, I feel like it, it kind of goes without saying like I think he's going to kill it. This is where he's belonged. Um, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Very happy for him personally, professionally. And he's, he's in a, you know, I can probably, I I wouldn't get in trouble for saying this, but, uh, Tony Khan, from what I know is really understands what he has in swerve. So I, I got that like directly from swerve. So, um, that's a, uh, that, that's a good thing because, you know, looking at Swerve's presentation in past promotions, 
maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe they didn't quite understand what they had in Swerve. So um, we'll we'll see where, where he slots in. Uh, there's a lot of people for him to wrestle. Under, I can think of <laughs> several. Just just add another one of the best wrestlers in the world into the mix. Into the mix. Yeah. Man, else really had. Um, John Moxley and Brian Danielson. Uh, John Moxley gets the win, so I think we both called that. Uh, it happened in funny fashion. I didn't watch the replay, but it Same. looked like one of those Fire Pro counters. It's weird. I don't like, but and Mox just kind of pinned them. But uh, they beat the sh- they kicked the shit out of each other for the time they did fight. Yeah, they did. Um, this is a match. This is the second match that I'm uh, I want to rewatch to get understanding how just exactly how where this match really was compared to like my you know tiredness crankiness slash like uh like tv presentation compared to where i was and where i was in the, in the arena because like that finish where we were sitting like to me i don't know about y'all because y'all didn't we were seeing the same way i did but, like it looked to me like both their shoulders were on the mat at that finish and i was like what the fuck like did they just do a they just, and then they started getting up and fighting and i was like Brian is pissed because because he, he realized both their mat shows on on the mat and the match was awarded to them and he didn't but like from what people say because I haven't seen it yet like he reversed it and he's got caught in dangles and didn't let go of the pin and you know um and he was pissed because he got beat while having this dude about to be choked out um so they start fighting um and then Regal comes up the up the aisle the crowd goes nuts um. Now, and like just in mind, like keep in mind, like how we talk about you know Thunder Rosa, San Antonio, um, in a couple of weeks, like AEW does this to where like they book a lot of times towards the city and region that they're in uh, when they're there for a show, and they were in Orlando, and you mentioned Swerve. Swerve has been on NXT since 2019, or had been on NXT since 2019, uh, so he's been so a lot of people have seen him not as many as there would have been had there not been no pandemic, but a lot of people have seen him, right? Um, they bring Regal. Regal has been with NXT since the beginning. Um, from hell, from Tampa all the way to Orlando. That man is Central Florida wrestling. Right? <laughs> right? So he comes out and he, um, and, you know, these are two pupils of, of Regal, um, famous pupils of Regal. Um, and, uh, he slaps both of them, and this goes in line with, you know, what Danielson and him have teased about a potential partnership, and, like, he could be some type of mediator or or uh, um, uniting force between those two, and, I, you know, and, like, I want, I want to see that tag team. I want to see them fuck up the Young Bucks. That would be awesome. I would like to see them as being the, like, you know, like, mega ace, uh, a mega ace tag team, all-star tag team, uh, for the time being in that division, um, until they figure out who to get it to, and then you know they can implode and one can turn the other or whatever else, or they can run it again because like those two, the way they wrestled, it was like, hey, uh, let's just go to the ring. Like this, the finish, just go to the ring. We'll figure it out. That's what it felt like, and it was fun <laughs> as hell. Like the, the the moment when they end up getting linked up together, and uh, they're basically uh, um, they do the they do the Tam and Mayu thing from the fourth, kicking each other except connected. That was it was <coughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, I was into the match. Uh, I was, I was kind of anticipating the main event. Like I was kind of waiting for that. So I was kind of waiting for it to get over, but, uh, the post that match angle was really intriguing. I was like puzzled by the regal thing just cause I think it's just regal and 
that doesn't do much for me. But um, you don't think he's a good TV person, TV uh, TV personality though, like as be another talker to add to the to the uh, to the arsenal of good talkers. Sure, uh, <laughs> but um, I'm more interested in the the history between him and Danielson and Moxley than anything else in that. And you know, uh, let's see where it goes. Like it's like we got a match and. Uh, I do not want to see them fuck up the young bucks, but, <laughs> um, you know, there are a million teams for them uh, to wrestle if it's a team situation, but, um, I, we got like, uh, he got, or uh, William Regal got the graphic, so he's in the door. So, um, it, it's, it's weird, man. It's like <laughs> the, it was like, uh, they came to Orlando and then they started the resurrection of like the black and gold brand. <laughs> They started the resurrection of and bringing these wounded look, bringing these wounded warriors in and trying to nurse them back to health. I love it, love it. Um, who else we got? Yeah, so up next we had the world title match, AW World Title, Hangman Page defeating Adam Cole, just over twenty five minutes. Uh, I love this match. Uh, I went four and a half stars on it. Uh, loved Hangman's tassels and, and his gear uh, showing up in Florida doing that and he caught some booze for that and he caught some some assholes uh, chanting a lot of stuff at him uh, for that on top of uh, you know being in uh, Adam Cole country and Cole was, was getting cheered Hangman caught some booze anytime he was aggressive uh, in the match but I felt like when I was watching this, I felt like Adam Cole was not on his level. Um, Hangman's like anytime Hangman would hit him, he would rock this man, and it would it was just like he would take his fucking head off and his shoulders. And maybe this is like Cole being a great seller and all that, but like it felt like Hangman was like for me. I was like this guy's like seems like he's so much more out of here than he was um, even like six months ago. And uh, he, you know, they had to follow this entire show <laughs> of like fire matches everywhere. And what did they come do in, in main event? They tear the fucking house down. Love this match. Uh, crowd reaction was a little interesting uh, as far as like, you know, like I said, the aggression uh, the hangman show was getting booed a little bit. Um, and, that's that's quite a change from you know because this guy don't normally get booed. Um, yeah, but he only got booed because they're in like just like we mentioned with Swerve to get to real. Let's get Adam Cole. Adam Cole has been at worst the number two star in Orlando for professional wrestling for almost five years, for like four and a half years. If there's any place he's going to get cheered in America over at over Hangman Adam Page while doing despicable shit, it would be Orlando, Florida. So I mean, I, I could yeah. So it made it made sense to me. Um, like he got booed at one point where he uh, he used the belt buckle. Adam uh, Page used the belt buckle and and um and uh, wrapped Adam Cole's hand to the top rope and then hit him with a bunch of kicks. But that was playing on what happened at Rampage like two days before. Right. Um, but yeah, like, you know, um, Adam Cole, second, this is the second time I've been to a building where there's a baby face that clearly is the person supposed to be cheered and he goes into the building and like the interest and the interest come out 
and you hear Adam Cole Bebe that that chant, and you're like, holy shit. Like, they've been said, like, how the fuck is Adam Cole a despicable person, the, like, get the loudest pop of anybody, or loudest sound out, out of from the crowd of anybody the entire night? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that's he. That's what he does. He's special. Um, but, like, like you mentioned, like, the whole match set up for, for Adam Page to be a world beater throughout the whole entire match. Kick the uh, shit out of this guy. Yeah, like. <laughs> whole entire match seven be a world beater. He beat the shit out of Adam Cole throughout the time, and then like he, it was almost like the reversal of a match where like you have a dominant, you have a dominant bad guy versus a babyface in peril, and like babyface comes up with like these cool neat escapes to keep the to keep the uh, hope alive. It was like that except a reversal. Like you had this dominant world beating babyface beating the shit out of this out of this out of this small little hill. And the I gotta heel, say I enjoyed and, it. And the in the hill wrestler. Uh, somehow Hill Veteran Russell comes out, comes out with like these cool nifty things to keep the match alive for his sake, and then like ultimately it gets too, it gets too far out of hand, and then uh, the 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 the, the goons got to come down, Undisputed got to come down. Uh, I'm sorry, Red Dragon need to come down. <laughs> and it's so funny because like this shit turned into this, this shit turned into like a, a far less good version of uh like the like, of uh that first Adam Cole Gargano match from uh New York that we were in chance for uh where it's like. It, Come down. He's gonna have to foil all of them, and it's, and they played off that same finish. Uh, they played off the same finish, but they did a little differently. Like the same thing was like he has to clear all them, clear all the unspeeded dudes out. Adam Cole's gonna get in here, or is gonna he's gonna reach back in the ring, and he's gonna um, hit him with some moves. It's like like you know, uh, it's over, but the baby face is gonna kick out, and then he's gonna. But he found, instead of like going he found his own way to then put away um, Cole. It was really fun. Um, yeah, I like I'm with you. Uh, I gave that match four and a half as well. Um, it was a it was a takeover main event. It was it was fun. I've I've missed takeover main events like the good ones. Um, and yeah, like I don't know what's next for Cole outside of waiting around for um Kenny Omega to show back up. But like for those that has spent <laughs> since September <laughs> saying that Adam Cole. He's being underutilized or misused in AEW. What are they doing with him? I'd like to point out to you that he has like wrestled like fifteen matches. He has lost twice. One does not count in the official record book. Um And they foreshadowed like, this match like the second before Hangman won the belt, like the week before Hangman won the belt. So like they should right. have seen that he was getting he has program. He has programs in place with CM Punk. He has programs in place with Kenny Omega. He just had his program with the World Heavyweight Champion on uh, on a quarterly pay per view. So like this was like a SummerSlam, a Raw Rumble, a Survivor Series, a WrestleMania. Um, and he and he did that. He showed up in set late or early September, right? October, November, December, January, February. He did all that in five months. He main evented a pay-per-view before Brian Danielson or CM Punk. I was going to get to that. But yes, he and nobody would dare in their right mind, any shred of good faith, say that they have nothing with CM Punk or, or Brian Danielson. I think that should be the end of that discussion at this point. Yeah, y'all gotta move on to talk about his body more. I'm sorry. Yeah, y'all y'all gotta, you know, act like he's not several inches taller than other people that your championing now uh, it's you know let 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 go and uh, put the narcotic down man stop smoking that cyn seasoning you know like no 
Like, we know what you're doing. You know, stop getting burned up like this. But has has MGF <clears throat> main event at a pay per view yet? Yes. The one with Moxley? Yep. Okay. So, um, has Darby it, Allen? He has not. Has Jungle Boy? No. Has Sammy Guevara? Stadium Stampede? Mm-hmm. Stadium Stampede. Got to win, too. Okay. Twice. So, he, he, he basically is caught up to the pillars in, in five months. Funny how that goes, right? They haven't done anything with him, though. No. Nothing. Maybe he rolls right into has Orange Cassidy picture. has Orange Cassidy main event a pay per view before? Can't say that he has. Okay. I think he's Russell Chris Jericho on a pay per view once. Has Wardlow main event a pay per view before? Yeah, he is not. Stadium Stampede. You count that? Oh, Stadium Stampede. Yeah. We yep. we we count te- we, we're counting tape ship matches. Ten ten man matches. Yeah. Okay. So, like, what are we talking about here? Like uh, I think that Hangman, the world champion, has main evented three. The first pay per view against Jericho, right? Or no? Was he on the undercard of that? Four, no, four. he was. No, he was. Uh, he was semi main event because Jericho and Omega was the main event, right? Uh, so in All Out, he was the main event, right? Against Jericho, that's one. Yep, and then. He, there's at least four because like him and Kenny, um, he was right. in the uh, stadium stampede. He was in this one. Okay. So he's done four. What was a <clears throat> taped match? He's been with the company since 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Unless there's something I'm not thinking of. But we get my, my, my point. The yeah. whole thing. We're like, we're, what are we talking about here? Like he's a top guy in the promotion. Yeah, man. People, like, people gotta let it go. Like if, like if you want to say what have they done with Andrade? Sure, because it's been like this with him, right? Um, if you want to even say what's going on with like, what are you, what are you really going to, when are you going to sink your teeth into this Malachi thing post Cody? Um, yeah, okay. But Adam Cole, nah. <laughs> no, nah, that's dumb to even like think that. Like, there's no way you really believe that. You know, there's no way you don't believe he's not positioned as a top guy right now. Stop listening to those troll pages that that be getting y'all with that with that propaganda. Like, let it go. So, like, so when he's like, you know, wrestling Kenny Omega or Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks when he's with Red Dragon next pay per view, like, what are you gonna say, man? Like when he's facing CM Punk, like at the end of this year. Like, what are you going to say? It's only going to get worse. Like, yeah. I, I suggest they get off that narcotic right now. Get off that train right now because the stops are only going to get rockier trying to hold on to that narrative. It's yeah. going to be bad. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, so, yeah, like like we said, like, I mean, we had different opinions on the, sh- on the like, the last or, like, last half of the show. But um, at worst – we're talking about. I didn't. I did not see the pre-show. I. I don't. I don't oh, do. Pre- yeah. I'm going to go watch the pre-show. Um, because I, I showed up. I showed up like, like I got to my seat right at eight. Like you eight, know, we bet on like you, eight, right? Eight o'clock in like five seconds when I got to my seat. You you know we bet on you, right? What do y'all bet? What time you would get in? I I put eight ten, so I lost eight ten. Yeah. Okay. 
Yep. Well, did you bet eight ten because I showed up to a uh, revolution in like eight oh four? Uh, I, I just picked a, a okay. random okay. time. <laughs> Who picked eight on the dot? Um, I would have to text a group. We can find this out. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. But you, you knew, but you knew, you knew I wasn't showing up for that damn pre-show wrestling. You knew that. Oh, for sure. It was going to be eight or after. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. I tried yeah. to show up. I tried to show up in a short amount of time where I could just get right to what I'm getting to. Like, I don't, I don't like being, I'm, I'm a jerk. I should aim to try to be, you know, on time so that when I'm on or, or, or uh, early so that when I'm you know a little late I'll show right, right on time but no I don't even do that I just want to show up to where like I don't I don't feel like having to sit down for a second and look at my phone I just want to get to straight to the shits straight to the shits so anyway um, great show um, tons of great matches um, I th- maybe the third best AEW match show ever maybe the second yeah. except for debate. Um, it's um, it's the like front one for the best show so far this year, though. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's a front runner right now. Yeah, I think um, and and you know we had talked about uh, we had a text conversation. It was like AW. I think there was an argument like you know maybe they were a little bit slow out the gate at the top end. Well, they came out tonight and decided they needed to procure the stars. So. Um, I know Big Dave is going to go crazy this week. So oh yeah, he's going to be so insufferable. Y'all might, ready. Turn, y'all might as well, by Thursday, y'all may as well like turn off y'all Twitter feeds because you, know, you, know, know you already know how he is. You already know how he is. Like he was, he was going into the show. Like when well, you can tell with him when it comes to AEW shows, like when he goes to the show and he's already like you can tell he's already made up his mind. He's about to give some shit uh, a certain number of stars. Because like what was it? Uh, All Out last year when he was like you know the Young Bucks or or people have been talking to me about like you know the Young Bucks is like Young Bucks telling me how like they they want to really want to get Jungle Boys for a five star match and they go out there and they have a three or three quarter star match and Melzer gave them five fucking stars anyway. <laughs> so I'm telling you, be on the lookout. Like that um, like, like I gave it I gave it four and three quarters. It's not so it's not a big deal to see him give it five, but like that's just definitely getting five from him. It's oh yeah, definitely getting five from him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know they're on a great run with like you know. And mind you, like this between this cycle, we got we didn't get Hangmaver's Danielson on as a pay per view main event. So mm-hmm. th- they're they've got double or nothing coming up. I'm only gonna get more excited about what's coming. Uh, their return of Kenny is on the horizon. In the pre show, they did some foreshadowing and brought back Don Callis. So uh, AW's in a lot uh, better position, uh, I think. You know. Then like like they're on it's a real streak t- right now, like, bro. When they start the when they start unleashing this trios title defenses on pay per view, it's gonna be fucking something. Like, like it's- bro, that's, that's that's gonna be one more spot on pay per view where it's like, yo, y'all can't come out here half stepping. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam says, what do you think about what TK said about Kenny? Are, are you talking about the the trios division? Like, uh, like that, that makes sense. Like you know, because obviously, like if you can save. Kenny and trios matches, you know, a little bit for like you can buy half a year with that or like four months. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, especially as he's fresh off the operating table. Uh, have Matt and Nick Jackson do that and he comes in and does whatever. And then he, you know, freshens up, gets his win back, and then he's ready to step back into singles after whatever they do as a trio. Um, and I always figured the elite would want to win the trios belts anyway. Yeah, so. I mean, my my whole thing, like, why, you know, and we've been talking about the trios titles potentially for, like, over a year now. Like, probably, were we talking about in 2020? We were 
early. We were, yeah. like, yeah. Because yeah, we were like, look at all these fucking factions. Like, let, yes, it needs to be a trio saddle. Like, and, you know, I think it's also because, you know, like, between New Japan and Stardom and all the trio stuff we watch already, it's like, it only makes sense to do it. Like, it's tag team wrestling, but it's, it's a segment, it's a way to, like, not have, you know, a mid-card tag belt, you know, because that, that's kind of, eh, nah. Nah, we don't want that. So, like, do a trios division, make use of these factions, make use of the part where, like, you can see, like, uh, like three three people and how, like, where they are in, like, you know, like, at least in starting way, like, you can go out there and you have two strong people with a, something something like a pin eater and, like, see how, like, they tell stories with that, um, you know, in regards to the matchups they face. Like, I, I think it's going to be really cool. I really do. Yeah, man. So I guess there's only one thing left to do, James. It's time to hit the music. Okay, so Rich mentioned this uh, last week uh, as we were talking about how loaded and talented um, Natsupoy is in regard to the starting roster and, and even in a roster that's that loaded. Like she is, she is somebody to she is a force to be reckoned with. So um, Rich suggested that we do a faction draft to kind of even up um, this roster because it is very uh, slanted as far as uh, popular people being. Um, clustered and talented, and the most talented people being clustered together. It's like Donald Amando has eight people. They have five people that should be getting, like, they have at least five people that should be pushed, probably six people that should be getting uh, pushed as, uh, you know, uh, um, feature, as featured acts. Um, and then you look at a, uh, you need to look at something like Oedo Tai, where it's like, they got two people. Um, so, um, what I am, so I don't know what Rich suggested that we do this draft. So we're bringing it. Uh, we're doing it today. Um, Rich, you do you have an order in mind or, or uh, the rules for this draft in mind? Yes. Yeah, so you told me a little th- bit. I was thinking there was two ways we could do it. Uh, we could do like an auction variant, I would say, where we we're bringing each individual wrestler up. Uh, doesn't really matter the order, and then we assign them, or we could just pick. At random, like we would, we would say, "Hey, uh, on my Watani's behalf for uh, stars, we select this person. It is whoever we pick." Uh, I think we chose to do the auction version. So, um, what I'm going to need, James, is the list of faction leaders, or I need, like, we've got Cosmic okay. Angels. So, um, I, this is how I normally do it because I do I go from baby faces down. Um, okay. yeah, so I, uh, I start out with stars. So for stars, uh, that would be <clears throat> the leader Mayu. Um, okay. their number two Hazuki. Okay. Just Mayu. That's all we need. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then after that, the, the second baby face bunch, Tam, Cosmic Angels. Yep. Then I get to the neutral, the, the neutral, uh, <laughs> uh, action, uh, Utami for uh, Queen's Quest. Okay. Then I get to um, 
then I get to this babyface faction that is being made neutral because they have a heel be as their uh, leader in Julia. Adel Mondo. Okay. And then I put Nasco last because she's the worst. We, we, we ain't give that over to Starlight Kid yet. She's a fashion leader. I, I mean, I'm not. She makes decisions. It is what it is. Like, obviously, she's not the most over person. She's not even the second most over person in uh, her faction, but they gave it to her. We have five units, it looks like. Yes, we have five um, units. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there'll be six soon. Like, probably after uh, uh, Sumo Hall weekend. Okay, I'm going to pop these factions into a randomizer to get an order. Uh, of, actually, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to nominate the rosters. <laughs> so I have a roster list here. Uh, it has 27 people. That's uh, not including- close to no. That's not enough people. Hold on. Uh, there's more, way more people. Uh, there's like 30 right now. There's 31. Oh, okay. Because I'm I'm looking at cage match. They must be missing. Some people. Okay, so Mina's not never on cage match for some reason on the starting roster. I don't know why. It's been like that for forever. Okay, so Mina, let me just write her down. I can, I can give you the names. Okay, yeah, give me the okay. names that aren't so on go, there. All right, so going through the star stuff, minus Mayu, it'd be Hazuki, Kaguma, uh, Giant Saya, Ida, um, Hanan, and Momokogo. Hanan, Momo. Kogo. Yeah. Um, so I'm missing one. Give me that Mina, Hazuki, Kaguma, Hanan, Momokogo. Mayu, Hazuki, Kaguma, Giant Saya, Hanan. Okay. Okay. Giant, oh, er, Giant Saya, Hanan, and Kogo. Okay, um, yeah. So they got th- this fucked up. So they have like a referee listed on the roster. Like- yeah, that's Daichi. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Daichi. This head ref. Um, then, uh, Cosmic Angels, that is, uh, minus Tam, that's Mina, Unagi, and, uh, Waka. Waka. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, Waka was not on the list either. Neither, or Unagi was. Okay. Oh, yeah, both of them were. Never mind. Okay. Um, then for Queen's Quest... Minus Utami, it'd be uh, Kamatani, Azumi. Kamatani, Azumi. Lady C. Or, sorry, Seku C. Yeah, Sexual C. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, Han- or sorry, not Hanan, Hina. Huh? Um,. Then you get to Don Domando, and this is going to take a while because there's eight of them. <laughs> uh, they need one more so they get the, they get the full Wu-Tang. They need the full Wu-Tang. But, yeah, um, yeah uh, Shuri, of course, you know, the, the co-leader of Don Domando. Um, right, right. Micah. Yep. Hameka. Nasapoi. Mariah. Okay. Tekla. 
Yep. And uh, the newest uh, member, Mai Sakurai. Mai Sakurai. No more dancing, Mai. Yeah. And then we got away. Yep, Oedo Tai. So, Kid and Momo. Momo, yep. Uh, Saki. Uh, Fukukin Death. Just call her Death, of course. Rowaka. And Rena. Rena, okay. Um, so. Now, uh, do you want to add Kyrie into this or not? Yes. Okay, so throw Kyrie in. Uh, so. I have four units, so that's Queen's Quest, Donna Del Mondo, Cosmic Angels is just the Mina and Unagi, and who else? Mina, Unagi, and Waka. And then Hazuki, yep, through Giant Sai. Okay, cool, man. So we'll go ahead and you said we have five. Pe- how many? You said we have, we have five units. Yes. Okay. Just want to make so, sure. in the interest of splitting these people up, we're going to do the units and people in order to send them all to different people. Wait. So, so what? Like, you want to go basically faction by faction and split them up? Right. Uh, okay. All, all right. right. So up first, uh, Mina Shurikawa. Okay, so are we doing? Are we going for fit, or are we doing for just like split, just break it up and make it just like you, uh, a a completely even rosters? Are we Let's trying try to, to make? make it, are you trying to make it like at least fit like the aesthetic or or uh, or ethos of, of factions? If we can blend all that into one, like that's what we would we would. Okay, do. best of both worlds. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yep. gotcha. Okay, so best of, no, I can't sing that. Were you about to sing? Uh, a song that I, that is by somebody that's in a prison. I can't. I can't sing that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, man. So, um, okay. So, um, now, uh, you said Mina was where we're going to start. The, the Mina is our first one up to, on the board. Okay, so. I think in stardom, if everything was all equal, I think she's probably a strong number four. Am I wrong? Okay. Am I wrong on thinking that? Like, if she's if there's five facts, she's probably like somewhere in the sixteen to twenty range as far as acts. Yeah, why not? Okay, so if that's the case, um, I I would like her to stay uh, with Tam as as a number four in Cosmic Angels, uh, unless you want to throw her into stars. Uh, I have no objection of taking her away. <laughs> All right. So up next is the Unagi. And as far as Unagi goes, I, I enjoy the outfits, uh, the sword, the presentation, the, the, the fight. Uh, so I don't want to turn her to and send her to Odeo Tai where she has to contact the heel gear maker. Like I don't we gotta I don't want to do that. Okay, so 
we're going to have to send some people to, I, I'm not saying her right now, but we are going to have to send some people to Oedotai, and the point of this is to try to freshen up Oedotai to where it's not House of Torture, a, a better version, a much better version of House of Torture, right? So, right. Um, yeah, for Unagi, I think the place that makes sense for her would be, um, I feel like she could fit anywhere except for Oedotai right now. Um, I think that she is probably best suited as a number four on a roster, um, but... Um, I I think I think the place that made the most sense for her right now would be Stars or Cosmic Angel. So I'm going to say move her to Stars. Hmm. Hmm. Do you object to that? I think it might be more compelling to put her around someone like Julia. Okay. Um. Okay, fine by me. If that's what I put her. It. Let's put her there. Let's do it. Seeing all Julia's hairstyles and her 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 general disposition around, you know, the assessor, you know. So up next, Waka. Okay, Waka. Um, throwing stars. Waka to stars. So, um, Cosmic Angels has been redistributed like socialism. Uh, <laughs> and Mayu has picked up Waka. Tam has retained the Mina. And Donald Domando has picked up Unagi. So, let's move on to uh, stars. So, up first, Hazuki. <sighs> okay. Um,. I got one place uh, for 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 Hazuki. She, uh, given her history, she makes sense in Oedotai or Qu- or Queen's Quest. Given that she's been both already, um, Stars is the bigger stretch for her. Like she is a um, while she is a fiery person uh, that can get the crowd into her wrestling. Um, she is very much into the. Uh, she's very much. Uh, if she, she seems to give off the, if I could, I would never do a promo ever in life ever again. Not that she's not a good promo because she is, she's a thoughtful promo, but like if she was up to her, she would never do promos. And there was a stretch, a good stretch, uh, it'll tie time when they were at their dirt worst before, uh, um, or Starlight Kids said, Hey, like the point of this is to try to like make money, um, where they just wouldn't refuse to do promos ever. I just show up and wrestle. So, um, I am going to say either put her in Queen's Quest or put her in um or put her in Oedotai because either one she's already done and I've seen her be very good at both. I wanted to send her back home to Oedotai. So can we make her the captain? Can we make her the leader? Sure, there can be some overthrowing. Why not? Okay, cool. Um, All right, so up next we have the bear Koguma. Where are we sending the bear? Like I, I have, like I have the temptation to send all the goofy people to Julia just the to goofy. drive her insane. Um, she's twenty six. Um, I, th- I think, I think that she's at the perfect spot for her. Like, I mean, I'm sure she could be in, um, let's say Queen's Quest, but no, she can't. 
she 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 can't be in Queen's Quest. They dress too good. Obviously this, comes, obviously, this comes with new gear. Don't be a jerk. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like uh, I think that a perfect place for her is for her to stay in in stars. It sucks we have to bring up the tag team champions. Okay. Let's go. Kaguma stays in stars. As their number as a number three. Yeah. Up next. Or yeah. actually like a three A, three B between her and um Unagi. Like obviously Kaguma's a much better worker, but um uh Unagi is a draw, if you will. So up next we got Hannon. Shown great growth in the last <sighs> couple months, I'd say. Yes. Um I, I know where I want to put like somebody that's super young. Yeah. Um to learn from somebody that was also super young in their career. Yeah. Uh I mean any of the three sisters it could could be in Queen's Quest. Um like for example, Hina is in Queen's Quest right now. Like she's just not on, on the shows right now for whatever reason. But yeah, um if we're gonna go without the three sisters the, I, I, yeah, let's put Hannon in Queen's Quest. Hannon goes to Queen's Quest. All right, up next we've got Momo Kogo. You got to help me out with this one, James. Um, Momo Kogo going to go two places, either Stars or Cosmic Angels. She is, I don't think she's that old, but uh, I mean, if you want to throw her into um, Queens or sorry to uh, Cosmic Angels, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, argue with it. Um, bubbly personality, um, has a lot of unagi to her, um, but younger. So Queen's Quest. No, I'm not Queen's Quest. I meant Cosmic Angels. Either Cosmic Angels oh, okay. or, or Stars for her. Let's so go Cosmic for- Angels just okay. because Stars already has three. Okay. So this will be the third for Cosmic Angels. Well, we'll have Momo Kogo joining that. All right. Up next. Giant Saya. Mm. Giant Saya could fit in Stars or DDM or Queen's Quest. Um, it, it's really weird to think of how to try to do this like an even space because like there's so many more roster spots and don't, don't, don't everybody else. So you got kind of you kind of have to uh, uh, treat them with respect. Um, but I would say, um, because you mentioned it, I guess, uh, we put, uh, cause there, cause like the whole point is to try to even out these rosters you need some pin eaters, you need some quality pin eaters. I would say put her in Donald Del Mondo. I agree. So giant Saya. Donald Del Mondo. All right. Up next, the white belt champion, the Paul Saya, Saya Kamatani. Um, the place that makes sense, the most sense for her would be Queen's Quest, where she already is, or Cosmic Angels, or uh, Stars. So you you decide between those three options. I feel like uh, since we've kind of given. Uh, we we've let we've let Mayu kind of keep some of her people at home. It looks like just thus far, 
need to put someone new in that group with her. So back, uh, Sayakamatani going back to stars. Okay. So right. in stars right now, we have uh, Mayu, the leader, Kaguma, and uh, Waka. Oh, Waka as well. That's right. Okay. Um. All right. So up next, we've got Azumi. Um, I've seen her play a adolescent shitty little hill, um, for comedy. Um, James, it's really hard to imagine her anywhere else other than it's really hard to imagine anywhere else other than Queen's Quest. It really is. But James, the only thing we can do with Azumi is like she's obviously gonna like we just need to flip her and Starlight Kid exactly around. That's all that needs to happen here. Fine, let's do it. Put her in oil tie. I hate this so much. The only, the, nope. the only, the only benefit to this is like she's back reunited with Azuki, like she was when she was younger with in uh, Queen's Quest with Eo. Fine, uh, we'll yep. put Azumi in oil tie. And, 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 sh- sh- and should I just move? Um, uh, Starlight Kids in Queen's Quest right now. Can we'll I, can do, I we'll do it when it comes up. When it comes up, okay. we'll do it then. Okay, um, Lady. C or sexual C. Okay, so for me, um, before she ended up in uh, Queen's Quest, she had teamed with everyone. Like she teamed, she teamed with everyone but uh, Oedotai. Like she she did a bunch of tag team stuff with Micah. Uh, she ended up came out with like the side thing that uh, Micah has on the side of her gear. Uh, she has a tag name with uh, Hameka. They're called the Sky Trees. It's in reference to a set of twin towers um, in, in Japan. Um, and then she tagged with um, Utami a number of times. And she tagged with Mayu a number of times. She tagged with Tam a number of times. She could be anywhere below Oedotai as far as fit for me to make uh, that makes sense to me. Um, before she ended up in in um, in, um, in Queen's Quest, uh, looking at Donald Domando, uh, we have Julia with Unagi and who else? Julia, Giant Saya, and Unagi. All right, so because they have a um, a larger roster, I suggest throwing her stat, throwing her there. Um, as a place to put um, someone that's going to eat pins for Julia and whoever else in Unagi and whoever else we throw in here eventually. Um, I think that makes the most sense to me. Fine with me. Okay, so. So up next we have Hina. Let's see. Um, Hina's like been I in... I feel like I don't want to put anyone... Very young in Cosmic Angels. I just don't want to do it. Like I'm not ruining the vibe, the, oh the cosmic my vibe. God, you know. <laughs> like, I, oh, I don't. You didn't see this, but like when they did a press conference for um for the Sumo Hall shows, like. Tam is Tam is trying to get Kyrie to join on to the to the money team, and I was like, that makes all the sense in the world, and I, I and I love it so much because you know those those are two of my three favorite starting wrestlers ever. So, um, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, you know that's gonna be a tough one. Like, 
that's gonna be a tough one. Like she feels like somebody that we need to make decisions on, like at the like, end of the draft. Mm, um, but doing it now, um, I feel like we we need to send her to Queen's Quest. She's already in Queen's Quest, so we just have her right oh, back where she yeah, was. That's true. Or do you want to? Yeah. How about this? Like, hey, you mentioned Starlight Kid and Azumi thing. Do you want to flip Hina and Rena? Sure. Where's okay. Rena at? Rena's in. Uh, Rena is in Oedotai, her twin sister. So, and she's she's a little shit stirrer. So we just go ahead and throw her in right. Oedotai. Hina to Oedotai. Get that. Look at those those tropes that we got going on here. All right. The we, big gun. Like the, the, the biggest gun. One. The, the, the biggest, biggest gun. A, a real 1A. Yeah, you know. So where on earth do we put Shuri? Man, we, uh, well, wherever we, she's we, going. You know, we, know where we, work, we know where we do put her. We give her own faction. That's where we, that's where we put her. Um, just, it, it just hasn't hey, happened yet. Just hasn't hey. happened yet. Um, I'm going to make a suggestion. She is 32 years old. I suggest that we put Shiri Kondo, a woman of many gifts and of many talents, into Cosmic Angels. This is goofy. This is goofy. She is goofy. You just haven't seen it. She dresses like a bird coming down to the ring, Rich, half the time for big <laughs> matches. Yes. This man's trying to this man's trying to make Shuri subservient to Tam. Like I see As I, opposed I see to being the, subservient to Julia. I, I see the agenda, James. As opposed uh, to being subservient to Julia. See, I, I was thinking I had a I had an alternate idea. Put her make her the leader of Oedo Time, make her a heel. That's that's kind of what I was was getting at because I'm looking at who we got in Odea's high. We don't have any number one there. Hey, hey, I don't want that shit. I don't want that shit interfering in the matches. No, like you do that. <laughs> you you're, you're you're putting that bullshit into the top title matches. We will not have that. We're not doing that to start them. Man, I'm, I'm looking at the rest of the list. They they there's no. I I don't I don't feel like I see many number ones running around there. Like, You're right. There's only five of them. Like, For, eh, you can say, eh, yes, five of them. There's five of them. Like and rebrand Odeo Tai and Shuri's image, you know, rather than yeah, Nasco. She has Hazuki as a general. She has Azumi as a general. Hina's there. You know what? For the sake of making it uh, make sense as far as an even... Um, roster, yes, we could throw Shuri in Oedotai, and that that hurts my heart because that Nesco shit sucks. Oh, so we'll it's, throw, it's, we'll throw Shuri there. Shuri in charge of that shit now. So let's let's go ahead and get this cleaned up, like 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 crime, you know, <laughs> crime stoppers. All right, evils, evil Shuri, yuck. All right, so let's start splitting up Donna Del Mondo. Or continue to split up Donna Del Mondo. Micah. She has I, to go. I think she, Micah. She has, she has to go to Queen's Quest. Queen's Quest? With Utami, her biggest yeah. rival? She has to go there. Like, they only have two people so far. <clears throat> I am thinking. Um. Like, unless you want to do this. Like, you want to put her somewhere, but then someone else has to go to Queen's Quest. Um, 
I am thinking of putting Hameka right after her into Queen's Quest. Mm, so like a spot to be named later. Um, no, like if you put her here, she could be like a number, a, a strong number three or a number two in, a, in the faction. Um, split or in, in that way. Um, so, so where's Micah going? I'm trying to figure that out now. Oh, okay. St- stars. And all, I, all that stuff too happy for Micah. It feels like. Um, oh, it'll tie. Ugh. We probably would have been better off if we had did this like um, where we went like ones, ones, like faction number twos and the faction number threes and faction number four as far as trying to figure this out. Now it's getting hard to try to figure out how to slot this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say we keep uh, no. Where, where would you want to put Micah? Queen's Quest? I, I would want to put her in Queen's Quest. Okay, let's put her in Queen's Quest. She gotta she she gotta just drop the beef with Tommy for a moment. They can always get back to it. Up next, very interesting. Natsupoy. Natsupoy. Probably very overqualified for their current position, so Yeah. Uh Damn, we put Kamatani in stars. Uh, I, I feel I feel like there's only a natural fit. The only thing is they hate each other. Yeah, but it would have made know. more. It would have made more sense if we had put Kamatani in uh, Comsigators with Tam, and then we put Star and put uh, Natsupoy in uh, in stars. But we have to do the, do it, do it differently. So yeah, let's put let's put Natsupoy against her will. Uh, back next to Tam, and they're gonna have to make up. It, make up after all the years of uh, of of icy cold, um, um, resentment towards each other, uh, or jealousy, or whatever you want to call it, or heartbrokenness. Um, yeah, we're gonna put Natsupoy and Cosmic Angels. All right. Up next, we got Hameka. Mm, um, got to break up Micah and Hameka. Got to break them up. Uh okay, if we're gonna do that, let's throw her into stars. I thought the same thing. Yeah, um, she is a very charis- she's very charismatic. Um, I don't think she's been able to really show that, given that she's like the number th- uh, four in her faction, and um, she's a good promo that is that can also stir up some shit. Uh, yeah, I think I think yeah, give. <laughs> Yeah, like let's uh let's give stars a hoss. So yeah, let's go with uh let's go with that. That's so funny. All right, so looking at it right now, um looks like we need to show some love to Donald Domondo and uh, in, in Queen's Quests. Okay. Um so up next is Mirai. I think I'm I think that she could stay in Donald Domondo. Now that we've cleared out the other our hosses, she is now has that role all, all left to herself. That works for me. So up next, we got hit her with the Tecla. <laughs> um, I I think that she makes outside of Donald Mondo, she makes sense in Queen's Quest. I was going there as well. Like she can kind of uh, at the moment, she assumes the number three role and. Yeah, that goes there. 
All right. All right. So, so some housekeeping, housekeeping real quick. So stars right now has um, Mayu Kamatani, Hameka, Kaguma, Waka. Saya Kamatani. And Saya Kamatani. All right. So I, all right, I'm now I'm sliding this to where like I'm putting it in order to where it makes sense. Where it's like Kamatani is number two. Hameka is number three. Kaguma is four. Waka is five right now. Um, Cosmic Angels is Tam, Nasapoi, Mina, and Kogo right now, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Cos- or sorry. Uh, Queen's Quest is Utami, Micah, Tekla, and Hannon now, right? Uh, yes. All right. DDM is Julia, Unagi, Ida, and Lady C right now, right? Uh, Plus Mariah. Yep. All right. So... Okay. Uh, and then Oedotai is Nasuko, Hazuki... Azumi, Hina, and Shuri, right? Right. Okay, so let me go ahead and put Shuri right there. Okay, let's continue. Sorry about that. All right, we got my Sakurai. <laughs> um, I have some thoughts on where to put her. Um. Um, you know what? Um, I don't, I had one thought to be funny, but in all honesty, um, I, I, I don't know where to put her. Uh, I think stars make some sense, but, um, I feel like, let's see, we have four, we already have five people in stars. Um, we have four people in Cosmic Angels. We have four people. You know what? Let's let's leave her in D. Let's leave her in um, <coughs> Don Del Mondo. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Alrighty, my days in DDM. Up next, uh, this is ceremonial selection. Starlight Kid going to Queen's Quest as a result of the Azumi provision. <laughs> or excuse me, the Starlight Kid Azumi um, provision. Yeah, that helps Utami out a lot. Yeah, it gives her number two. Yeah. Alrighty, up Mike next. is a hell of a three. Jesus, Momo I mean she already Wat- is a three, but you know, Momo Watanabe. <laughs> you you already know where I'm going with this. Um. We look. It's it's time for Momo to learn how to dance with that pouty face. So, wait, wait, wait. So we are going to put the twenty. Uh, we're going to put the the soon to be twenty two year old in the in the Cosmic Angels. They're gonna to have to hand it down to somebody. So I I you already got Nespo to hand it down to. True. Where else do you see her? <sighs> Okay, I don't want to send her back right. to Queen's Quest. No, right, 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 right. I think that she would. I think she would work best right now. Looking at the roster, they need a, somebody else at the top of the card that can have great matches and someone that immediately has respect with the crowd. I think she fits best in Donald Mondo right now. 
Because if you look oh, at it, it, it is Julia, Mariah, and Unagi as, or so you have Mariah and Unagi as the two and three in Donna Mama. That's pretty weak. Yeah, I'm with you. Omo Watanabe joining Julia. Man, two assholes of a different coin. Jesus. <laughs> All righty. Saki Kashima. Uh, let's put her in Cosmic Angels. You know you want to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. They they do need another person. Yeah, you turn bad baby face. Um, I mean, I had a different idea for Cosmic Angels myself. What, rather what than you, okay, if you don't want to do that, what do you want to? Where do you want to put her? Put her back in Stars of Mayu, and Mayu oh. can torture the shit out of her for turning on her. That would be pretty funny. Um, but she might be best fit as depth and where she's at. No, it'll tie. Okay, they do need an adult jobber, so that that can go. Like, or adult pin eater. I want to say necessarily jobber. So yeah, we'll put her there. Um, Alrighty, up next, death, death, the cosmic angels. Let's go, baby. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Yes, <laughs> yes, death, the cosmic angels. Yes. Can't, can't say she's too young for cosmic <laughs> angels. Yes, she's the oldest person on the roster. That's fantastic. <laughs> How did I not see you were setting that shit up? This is fantastic. <laughs> all, all time. You know, all you're like, you and me together, we're delicious. Like, me and you together, we're dead. <laughs> like, she, yes. like, she can go back to being like the, like, uh, uh, Goku can death. She could be like the star when she was dressed as stars. That's what she could do. Except it's cause she can't just have, have, Watching her dance as a clown. <laughs> yes. Yep. And then, like, when they all gotta like support Death for a day, they all oh gotta paint God. up like clowns. Oh my God. Don't. Alrighty. Mina will do it. So don't. She came out as a clown that pay per view match. Damn, remember that shit? Like, what the fuck is on your face? All right. Um. All right. So what's next? <laughs> so we have three picks left. Uh, okay. We have we have two smaller selections, and then we have another ace. So okay, um, we got Ruaka up next. Um. Okay. So I'm going to say. Oh my god! Oh, the tie is fucking awesome. I'm just looking at the top three. <laughs> Shuri Azuki and Azumi is awesome. Um, we, we we have rebuilt that country. Yeah, yeah, we certainly have. Um, Julia Momomurai, Unagi. No, gotta send, gotta send Rocco to stars, you know. Back to stars? Okay. Um, she's done that before. She'll just break, the, she'll, yeah, yeah, go ahead and throw her in. Actually, yeah. what about, what about Cosmic Angels? Uh, she's too old. Or, what about Queen's Quest? They're running with the least amount of people, or well, yeah. that's this is about Stars the number is, they have. Yeah. Okay, so it'll t- they're at the roster they normally have, though. Okay, so they already so have their five. I, I think we need to be finished with Donald Domondo and Odeo Tai. Um, let's see, one, two, <clears throat> three, four, five, six, seven. We need one more Donald Domondo, um, and it'll tie. 
but it looks like the other ones only have five people. So right, but I'm going by what I'm, I'm going by what they actually have, like in, in like realistic. Uh, so like, uh, Stars has six people. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Mayu, Zuki, Kaguma, Hanan, Ida, and and yeah, they have six people. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so we're one. Sh- so we'll, so we need to find for these three slots left. We need um one more person for stars. Um. Did we overdraft? Okay, so no, I don't think so. Yes, we did. We put one too many people in. Um, Cosmic Angels only four right now. They had five, and then my left to make eight for Don Delmondo. Uh, all right. So at this point, let's just make it. Let's make the roster more even. So, like Cosmic Angels, we have five. Um, stars, we have five. Uh, QQ, QQ, we, we have, five. have five. All right. So everybody needs. Everybody needs basically six people. Right. So, so uh, Donald Trump is going to drop somebody. Oedo Tai. Oedo Tai is done. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. We have seven people in Donald Armando. So one person got to drop. And then, actually, no. <clears throat> we just need to assign the three people to Stars, Cosmic Angels, Queen's Quest. We're done with Cosmic Angels, though. We already have. Okay, so based on what I'm saying is either we could do either we could give them all six people, right. um, with one person being a with one extra person being a seven, right? Right. Um, or we go with the numbers that the roster that those uh, factions already have. Um. And if we do it that way, where we, we uh, get rid of, or we do it that way, where everybody has the numbers they they have going in. Uh, when they came into the draft, then we got to drop uh, Death from Cosmic Angels. Because then that means all we have to do is gotcha. undo one thing, the last thing we just did. Gotcha. Um, so let's just undo the last thing we did. Like, take Death out of Cosmic Angels. Oh, my God. It was funny Death. as fuck. It was. Let's just take let's take her out of there, and then we'll figure out where, and then we'll put her somewhere else. Oh, um, man. Death, it was a good run. Yes, it was. All right, so we can put her in Oedotai or um, or Stars. Death got to go to Stars. Okay, so, all right. Death goes back to Stars. Okay. And Stars is now done with their six. So we got Ruaka up next. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, man. Um, because I, I really think, like, you know, the, I don't know, like the the numbers in real life are cool, but that, I don't know if it's necessarily even if we stick it stick to that. You're right. So, do you want to start this whole entire draft over again? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And do a speed round version of shit and get it right because we fucked this up. Um, all right. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. You know what? I am either. I am either. Where do you? Where? Where would you rather have Rock uh, back in Little Tie or in Donald Armando? I think uh. that. 
I think we I think we should probably put her back in uh uh idle time. Sure, she can keep developing where she's at. All right. Rena. She's going on the Hina provision, right? Yes. So she's going to Are stars. We- N- no, uh, Rena would be going. I screwed this up. Okay, so now that six person in Donald and uh, QQ, we screwed this whole draft up. We tried, <laughs> we fucked this all up. Uh, oh man. Okay, we so just, we just need to put somebody somewhere to like to, to like kind of like. All right, hold on. One, two, three, four, five. Like six, not so much the numbers, but just like okay on paper, right. like what do they have? Okay, yeah. Put her in. Uh, put Rena and Donald Amando in. All right, and the last person in the draft, Kyrie. Feel like she has to go home. <clears throat> Stars. Or excuse me, no, I'm thinking of Vo. Um, <laughs> I feel like she needs to go to Queen's Quest. Okay, throw her in there. I mean, unless you know. You want to put her in the <laughs> Angels, you know. I mean, that's she, she that, fits that's the what the that's what the know. hope is. That's what the hope is. Um, um, eventually, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this right now, and it's like we could have done a better draft. I, we screwed this up, but um, yeah, like looking. I at I think it, she's got to go to Queen's Quest. Oh, like okay, so Queen's Quest had will be Utami, Kyrie, Kid, Micah, Tekla, and Hannon. Then you look at that's a uh, that's an awesome unit. Then you look at uh, Cosmic Angels, and Cosmic Angels is yeah, she has to go in. She has to go in Cosmic Angels. I'm sorry, like well, yeah, it makes more sense because we can get yeah, at let's least put five her, people yeah, there. Let's put her in Cosmic Angels. Yeah, because then like because then now she has somebody uh, to be a bridge between uh, Tam and Nasapoy because uh, uh, Kyrie helped uh, Nasapoy who was coming up uh, when she was like a rookie. And uh, Tam and Kyrie clearly have some type of friendship going on or some co- connection going on. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do that. And they could play, you know, she could play um, peacekeeper. She could be the William Regal to to their Moxley and, and Danielson. All right, so let's. I'm going to read off the uh, the new units for uh, One Inch Radio here. We've got stars, and that's Mayu, led by Mayu Watani. We have Waka Sukiyama. Kaguma, Sayaka Matani, Hameka, and Death. Cosmic Angels, Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, Momokogo, Natsupoi, and Kairi, Queen's Quest, Utami, Hanan, Micah, Tekla, and Starlight Kid. Donna Domando, Julia, Unagi, Giant Saya, Lady C, Mirai, Mai Sakurai, Momo Watanabe, and Rina. And last but not least, the new and improved Oedo Tai, Nasco Tora, or excuse me, Shuri, <sighs> Nasco Tora, Azumi, Hazuki, Hina, Saki Kashima, and Ruaka. Yeah, this is a much more balanced roster. Like I'm I'm looking at it and I, the way I the way I did it, I wrote them in and then I power ranked them. Based on like what it would be factions ones and twos or whatever else. So like, so what do we got? Um. Okay. Stars would be Mayu, Kamatani, Hameka, Kaguma, Death, and Waka. 
Cosmic Angels would be Tam, Kyrie, Nasapoi, Mina, and Kogo. QQ would be Utami, Kid, Micah, Tekla, and Hannon. Donna Del Mondo would be Julia, Momo, Marai, Unagi, Giant Saya, C, Mai, and Rina. Um, and then, <laughs> hold on, because you did the joke, so let me do it. Uh, give me one second. All right, there we go. So, um, this new, uh, the new improved Oedo Taizi mission will be Shuri, Hazuki, Azumi, Nasako, Saki, Ruaka, and Hina. Man. I, I, I would like to see it. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. Um, but is, but yeah, I, uh, I guess, I don't know if we should post it anywhere because we fucked it up so many times. But it was a fun exercise anyway, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, next week we'll get back to, uh, covering, uh, the shows. I didn't have anything. Um, but yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add, Rich, to the show? Um, I will be putting out a vlog. It's like a short documentary of sorts, about a half hour long of uh, my trip to, you know, the road to the AEW Music Fest. So uh, lots of cameos in there. Uh, people that you recognize on, on TV, people that you might not recognize yet. Maybe you will see in the future. Um, and a lot of like people you see um, all over the Internet covering wrestling uh, you know, you'll see my homeboys, you'll see uh, me talking, you know, my philosophy on how I'm approaching everything. And you'll, you're going to see like sound checks and then you'll see the actual performance. I got to perform with Nyla Rose on the stage with me. That was uh, pretty cool. So um, there was a, just a lot in there. So uh, make sure you all check that out. It'll be up on the YouTube channel sometime this week. All right. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, in the future, we'll be putting uh, links to that blog um, in the description. But next, starting next week, uh, obviously we missed it this week because this is going up first. Um, but uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Um, go to, you know, if you watch the live stream, hit us up with the bits. Um, the bits. Go to our red circle and drop us off with a donation. Um, Donations. Be, and be sure to listen uh, to those shows on the network, besides One Nation Radio, you have the, the um, Keep It a Strong Style, you have the Rick and Clyde Wrestling Show, you have Gorman Washes Shit, you have the Great Consequences Podcast, you have 8-Bit Suplex, you have All Things Elite, you have Great Match Generator, and you have AEW Match Guide. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace.